you ever buy like a gadget or like you have this need for a gadget and you go to buy it and then you see like the next more convenient version and you get it, but then you'd never use the actual convenience. <laughs> Does that give make sense? An <laughs> In the hypothetical, <laughs> yes. Give me an example. I have, I bought this wireless, wireless, wireless charger plate yeah. for the left side of my work desk. Yeah. Because I can charge my work iPhone wirelessly and then like my earbud. Yeah. Charging case. Got that going on with my phone right here. Yeah. So I was like, I need, I need a wireless charger. So I went and went to Amazon. I was like, wireless charger. And then there was one that was that had really good reviews that has two wireless charging ports on it. Uh, like it's just like it's like double the size. It just has two plates. Sure. I never use the second plate. I used it for the first time in in months last night. (laughs) And that's just because I was lazy and didn't remove my iPhone that's been charged for a couple days now. Mm -hmm. And like, I think about it, I'm like, man, what a useless purchase. Like, (laughs) it's just, shame on me. I should have just stuck to the one as originally planned it, planned. In the end of the day, I would have saved four dollars five dollars maybe you would have saved a couple inches of desk space which and also some inches of desk space which is prime real estate yeah no kidding i don't know i was just like oh that's really cool and holy crap literally the entire internet loves this this is the way to go i'll just do that but you got upsold my friend i got upsold dude i get upsold very easily sometimes (laughs) (laughs) i've seen it happen yeah. Yeah. You've done it to me. Oh, well. <laughs> that's not the same. Because I'm not making commission. Oh, man. I get, We're not going to get into this tone. But like from the day from hell when I was trapped in the blizzard and driving back and stuff, yeah. I was exhausted. We got to Starbucks and I went and got a large, a large uh, iced white mocha and the and like I yawned like five times the barista looked at me he was like do you want an extra shot in that and I was like yeah <laughs> but fuck you <laughs> and, uh, and he was like okay and I was like shame on you Justin or whatever his name was how dare you upsell me on that Justin. I was I was calling him out I was calling him out on his upsell skills because I know that shit gets tracked I was a barista and <laughs> right. he was like hey man you looked really tired I was like it's been a long just give me my full quad shot. It's fine. <laughs> oh man, I am so I yeah, I get I'm a I'm I don't know if I'm a salesman at heart. That's a little disingenuous to say, but like I get the game, I respect the game. You respect the hustle. Yeah, and when someone does a good enough job of convincing me to spend some more money on mm-hmm. wherever they're working for their employer, sure, fine. You're like, twist if my I can afford well, it. Here's the thing. You also enjoy spending money. <laughs> Come Look. on. Tell me it's not true. Um, yeah. I mean, like, depending on how you spin my characteristics yes that is that is absolutely one way to uh, you enjoy making money and you enjoy spending it yeah yeah i i I take oh god marcus 
from Borderlands. He's he's like the he's the money he's the he's one of the vendors, and he just loves money. Uh-huh. And he has this catchphrase that says, "Your money isn't worth a thing if you don't spend it." Uh huh. And like <laughs> that just like plays on repeat in the back of my head. Yeah. And there was one time where like I borrowed money from my mom so I could let someone else borrow some money that needed it. Yeah. And I was like, thanks, mom. I really appreciate it. And she's like, eh, it's just money. And I was yeah. like, yeah. And like <laughs> she said it at the most like influential time of my life, apparently. Yeah. And so like I've just had that mentality uh, about my funds like ever since. I'm like, yeah, it's just money. It happens. It's, 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 a, it's a healthy, it's a healthy attitude. By contrast, I hate money. <laughs> I hate making money. I hate spending money. I hate having yeah. money. I hate not having money. I hate all of it. You know, like, <laughs> you have my Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, uh, take it. <laughs> I accept partial deposits from paychecks as well. Like, I'll give you my routing number. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, upsell, upsell tech oh, and yeah. stuff. That's 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 my there thing. What are, what are we doing? What are we doing here? What is this? Welcome to Hypers by Superpower. It's a podcast where me, Steve Storm, best buddy Will Freeland, talk about the things that we are that make us hyped. We are hyped on comic books very frequently. It is a thing that gathers both of our hype, attention, powers, prowess. Yeah. Yes. So, what what uh, what hyped you up on uh, comic wise this week, Will? Dude, I had I had kind of a roller coaster. This really. Week. Strictly because the things I used to be hyped on didn't really hype me up so much. And the Mm. things that I was expecting crap from were surprisingly intriguing. (laughs) Okay. So Edge of Spider-Verse is five issues of kind of the same formula as Black, White, and Blood. Okay. Of just like a bunch of random spiders across the Spider-Verse. And the build build up to the next Spider-Verse event, which is called End of Spider-Verse. That's less cool to me. <laughs> At least it's ending. I, right. Like, and so that's the thing. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm tired of Spider-Verse stuff, man. It's It was I, a novel concept at first. Like, here's the thing for me. It did too well. It Yes. Yes, it did too well. Like, Spider-Man, I think Spider-Man gets worse when you give him more mythology when you give him more, oh. <laughs> like, you know, when you, when, when you, you introduce like, the totems and stuff and the totems and the verse and the, you know, like all of like the more, the, the more removed he is from being like just a dude from Queens trying to do his best. And the more like epic importance you put on him, like the, it, it just, it kind of distracts from the core concept of the character and yeah. and so like yeah. the the Spider-Verse movie and potentially I haven't read any of the Spider-Verse comics, but like I think did the perfect job 
of of Spider-Verse because it was like, this is other people like me who are also just trying to do their best. And I can learn from them and I am not alone. Right. right? And that was kind of like the the ultimate like thesis of the movie. And it was really good. And when you turn Spider-Verse itself into a franchise, then then it's getting to this big bloated, like high stakes epic storyline that that kind of I feel like gets further and further away from from what's like good about Spider-Man and good about the initial idea of Spider-Verse. Yeah. So to to dovetail off of that like message or critique. Yeah. Do you think it's because do you think it's related to the fact that it has too much spotlight? Cuz we don't have this same conversation about the Captain Britain Corps. <laughs> yeah, well cuz that's like that's kind of core concept to like Captain Britain has always been about multiverse, mm-hmm. you know. And so is it because we see it it, we see it from the beginning of the concept or because yeah. they repurposed an existing character to be a multiversal army for lack of a better <laughs> phrase. I, th- I think some of each, you know, like it, it is. Yeah. It, it just, it, it's a concept that like works for a storyline, but not for a franchise, I guess. Like it, mm-hmm. it was a good idea, but it can kind of strain under its own weight. Whereas, like, yeah, the Captain Britain Corps was introduced, like, in the original run of Captain Britain that kind of became the DNA of who the character was. When you read a Captain Britain story, you come to expect a certain amount of that. And there's really not much else going for Captain Britain. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not what shines about Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. You, you never, like, I actually, I just got asked in on my Twitch stream on Friday of just like why Spider-Man and yeah. everything I talked about had nothing to do with the Spider-Verse. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got you. I got you. So anyway, to, to your message, I was not stoked about this. Okay. <laughs> but random side stories of different spiders that, that sounds like it's at least a, can, can be a jumping off point for good stories if it's done well. Yeah. This one, Yes, I agree. <laughs> Uh-oh. There's there's good and bads about this book. Okay. We'll, we'll get back okay. to it. Okay. And then I was cuz I also read volume 11, or oh, I started volume 11 of The Avengers by Jason Aaron. Okay. <laughs> it's six issues. The first 3 are not amazing <laughs> and then the next either the four only the fourth issue or the next four or no the next three issues are crossover with AXE so I stopped oh boy okay mid-book. we just had a long for the listener we just had a very long conversation before recording about what the hell we're going to do about AXE because yeah. it is Avengers the, versus X-Men versus Eternals. Yeah, it's Avengers versus X-Men versus Eternals and the chronology of the way that we're reading Krakoa with all of these compiled, you know, Dawn of X, Reign of X, Trials of X paperbacks are coming out at such a huge delay from the rest of the Marvel Universe that it Over is, a year. 
over a year. It's it's putting it's putting Will's reading order into a giant tizzy. Yeah, it's really obnoxious. <laughs> it was fine for up until now because Kirkoa X Men have been very secluded. Like yeah, they're entering the global market and they're entering the celestial market, but like their storylines never crossed over with other titles much. Yeah. Yep. And now they're a focus point of an annual event. Right. A major (laughs) line wide Marvel crossover. Yeah. Oopsie. So, so I stopped reading that and and came over to the Steve Rogers, Captain America. Okay. We previously did Sam Wilson, Captain America. And we're doing Steve Rogers, Captain America. Okay. I was not excited, but here we are. <laughs> okay. And then I started to read Zeb Wells' Amazing Spider-Man, uh, volume number three. It's six issues. The first issue was the second Hellfire Gala crossover issue. Oh, God. And I was like, it's fine. Just power through it and just like, don't Again, think about what more, I'm More, more, more Krakoa X-Men overlap. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, like, I was like, Spider-Man doesn't care about um, Kirkoa. So I was like, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just like, sure, let's just power through. The yeah. second issue is the AXE crossover. <laughs> oh, no. So oh, I put that book fucked. down. Okay. <laughs> so I put that book down. And so I impulse read Iron Man volume four by Christopher Cat- Cantwell. Okay. It was originally hailed as Book of Corvus, book four, but like we solved the Corvus thing in book three. <laughs> Okay. And it ended. So, book three ended with ending the Corvus arc. Yeah. Uh, what's his face? Iron Man got the power cosmic and then got rid of it. And then it ended with him checking into rehab for his addiction to morphine. Okay. Because um, he had been on morphine the last two volumes. He realized he was addicted. And when he dropped the power cosmic, he realized he. Uh, his body reacted very poorly to mm. the lack of morphine. And so he checked in. And so this book picks up after he gets checked out of rehab. Interesting. And he's dating Patsy Walker, which right. still doesn't make sense to me. Right. Huh. Anyway, yeah. so I read <laughs> three books and parts of two. <laughs> it's a, a roller coaster, you called it. Yes. I would say mine is like a roller coaster that only goes down and then crashes and everyone dies. <laughs> so we're playing roller coaster tycoon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. It was it was a bad week. Really? Yeah. I I had X-Men Unlimited, an issue of X-Men Unlimited. I had an arc on Bishop, The Last X-Man. I had two miniseries, Magneto, Dark Seduction, and X-Men, The Search for Cyclops. And then I had continuation of X-Men, The Hidden Years. Ah. I mean, on paper, that doesn't... If you go by the titles, sounds interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh. (laughs) You're right. I mean, that's... That's that's like how how that kind of roller coaster would have to work, right? It has to start from you have to want from, to get on. <laughs> it, it, start, it has to start from pretty high up in order to, to crash with enough velocity. Yeah. 
Boy, okay. Shall we talk about start us off with these go. comics? Okay. So Edge of Spider-Verse. If you look at the cover, it has a spider T-Rex. Yeah. Spider-Man Noir. Yeah. And Aranya, who took on the mantle of Spider-Woman, who looks like she has a new costume. Okay. And so, yeah, so that's what we're going with. Okay. And that is the cover of the first issue. And basically the spiders, the spiders that appear on the cover are the ones that get highlighted in that issue. Okay. On top of that, for whatever reason, the first issue also had an Irish Spider-Man named Spider Laird, L-A-I-R-D. Okay. Set in... Well, it's on Earth 1740, which seems to also be set in the 1740s. The year 1740. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Because he's he's tracking down some redcoats. So that's the thing. Anyway, his name is Donald McGargan from the clan McGargan. Okay. And they get he is it after any any relation to Mac Gargan? I don't know. Like, why Why make his name McGargan? Right. If, if he's not going to be, but whatever. Okay. Huh. Anyway, he gets, he, gets rec- <laughs> he gets recruited by Julia Carpenter, who is Madam Webb. Right. A new Spider UK, because Spider UK That's died in the okay. last Spider-Verse story. Okay. And Spider-Woman. Sp- so Spider UK was one of the big names in the the first two Spider-Verse stories. Okay. He's the Captain Britain of his uh, universe. Okay, sure. And he died. He got killed by one of the inheritors or something. I don't honestly remember. I just know that he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so now we Sounds have a like new he had Spider-UK. a real heroic sacrifice that was memorable. amazingly heroic. Yeah. We have a new Spider-UK who is a... <laughs> Somebody somewhere, I'm sure, is upset that it's a black girl with, with sure. an afro. Sure, that he has been replaced with. Yeah, great. The great but, replacement. They're replacing. Uh, no, I don't want to make that joke. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. So, um, so Anya Corazon going around six one six. She goes. She's. Her powers are going out of whack. She's in college, and then um, she fights some vermin, and then Julia Carpenter shows up, and she's like, hey, something's going down, and and you're needed. And she's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> and so she she gets a new costume, and the costume is built by a character named Spider Weaver, who we don't meet till the end of the book, but okay. gives her a new costume, and, and it's cool, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> point is, we come across... The first introduction of the idea of what's going on, and it's the the sisterhood of the wasp. Okay, and this is going to be a throwback. So they, you know, they have their fight and move on. But sisterhood of the wasp is a cult that that follows this character named Shathra. S H A T H R A. Okay. She's the wasp totem deity lady. Okay. And so, so that that's the era that she was introduced in. She was introduced back in um, oh, okay. Straczynski's run. She so she's a, an existing character. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. 
But so she is the reason why Evolve or Die happened, which is when Spot when Pete evolved to to be close, closer in touch with his spire powers, and he had the organic webs, sure, and could see in the dark, and and so on and so forth. Yeah. So that storyline was initiated by Shathra, and Shathra only found out about Pete because Pete teamed up with Doctor Strange to go to the astral plane to find somebody. And Strange was like, don't go off the path. And Pete was like, well, I went off the path. And he saw the representation of the spider totem on the in the astral plane. And Shathra's, Shathra was trapped on the astral plane and sensed the spider. And then that's how she got, she found her way back to 616. And then... Okay. And then she got eaten by a swarm of birds, a flock of birds, because she's because she her body was just a bunch of wasps. And so amazing. Right? Because <laughs> comics. So she hasn't been around since. It's been like okay, almost but, 20 years. And this is 616 Shathra that's in this story. So she is, I think there's only one Shathra. And oh. she, but she's not from six one six. But she's now she has she's been chilling. an enemy in six one six. Okay, because we get her origin story here, and it's back at like the dawn of time type stuff. Oh, cool! <laughs> Great. <laughs> we also get Spider T Rex. His name is Peter Patarker. Oh my god! And because of the audacity of how of the way they're writing, I refuse to not pronounce every single letter in his name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And his enemy is Normanosormon. Okay, yeah, go on. Who's a pterodactyl. They both Uh got struck by a meteor made out of spiders. (laughs) And it turned... Peter Park Patarker into this into Spider Rex and he has organic webbing and it turned Norm Normanosaurus from a T Rex into a Pteranodon with with teeth and and legs. Okay, so I should hate this. <laughs> you like should. I, I really ought to. <laughs> you should. <laughs> But I just went to the uh, Rachel and I just went to the Natural History Museum last week. Oh God! Okay, and I'm just like all fucking dinosaur brain. Like our childhood obsession with dinosaurs. Like, yeah, it was dinosaurs <laughs> and Transformers and Teen Mutant, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like equal measure, right? Yeah, and. Yeah. It, it was like a spiritual fucking experience, man. I saw so many incredible fossils and oh, it it was great. Next time next time next time you come let's go to New York. I'm down. Let's go. Yeah. Show me a better dinosaur than the Ankylosaurus. I Dude, I, I challenge anyone and everyone. I I was super into to the uh the Parasaurolophuses, the like the, mm-hmm. the duck build, the hadrosaurs, you know, all the all the all the, all the, all the yeah. crusty dudes. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's some real sick ankylosaurs. Ankylosaurs are so damn cool. At the museum. Yeah, dude. Come come fucking, actual tanks. Yeah. Actual tanks. Yeah. 
when you come back to New York, we'll 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 we've done the 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 Marvel tour. Next, we'll do the Dinosaur tour, and then maybe the Sweet. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle tour. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so Pater Patarker becomes Spider Rex okay. in his fight with Normanosaur. He fall Normanosaur falls on to two innocent Dino standers. <laughs> and Spider Rex is like, no, this is all my fault. I'll never be so reckless again. Rexless. <laughs> and well, so and it says, and that was the day the amazing Spider Rex learned that with grah power, there must also come grah responsibility. And then, and then you have Anya Corazon, Spider Woman, in the back, and she just says, "What the fuck?" And then says, "The end." <laughs> okay all right so then there's another story with spider-man noir and and then and and he helps this woman on a case and she ends up trapping or taking him to this abandoned building and in the and she's like yeah tell me find my baby my i can i can sense that my baby's in here my baby's in here takes him to and in this rundown bedroom there's a giant black wasp the size of the bed in the bed and the woman laughs and you see um this outline of shathor behind her and it stings spider-man noir and it ends with his eyes going like buggy and all green. Hmm. And so now you're like, oh shit. So they're like, they're starting to write off the OGs yeah. and introducing new members of the Spider-Verse and okay. we'll have to see what happens. So sure. next a little issue bit has, of a bummer to me because Spider-Man Noir was created or by uh, Fabrice Sapolsky, uh, who is a acquaintance of mine in the indie comics world, and I want to see that dude get as much work as possible. Yeah, Spider-Man Noir is one of the more popular other first Spider-Man. Yeah. Then you go to Earth sixty-five. Yeah, Spider Gwen, also known as Ghost Spider, mm-hmm. fighting uh, Mysterio, and then that ends with her getting stung. Mm. Just hmm. a bold choice. Yeah. And then you go to London in Earth 834 and you get introduced to Spider UK. And she has Electro. She has sort of like a Venom Blast, like what Miles has. Sure. And she wears she wears earrings to help control her bioelectricity. So okay. she just has to remove those to be able to use it because she has no control over it. But she also okay, so she works for and my she works for who? Oh, okay. the weird happenings organization. Weird happenings organization. One of the many, many, you know, iterations of the the British <laughs> MI six or whatever. Yeah, superhero yeah. slash spy. You know, British Strike shield, basically. Who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black air. Yeah, black air. That was the one I was trying to think of. She practices Ramadan. Okay, and she has. She has a coat. It's a it's a vintage leather jacket with extra dimensional pockets, courtesy of who. So she can just reach into her coat and grab whatever the hell she wants. She's like That's she's fun. like a spider Dr. Pym. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I thought that was cool. She's got gauntlets. And yeah. Anyway, so her intro story is her fighting a giant dragon using her electro powers and so on and so forth. She gets recruited by Julie Carpenter and then they go off. Okay. okay. So Loom World, which is Earth 001, which is where the great web of destiny exists. Okay. In so you and she, it's being it's being upkept by Spiderling, who is the daughter of Pete and Mary Jane from another earth. Okay. I don't remember which one. Sure. I didn't know like when they introduced her, I didn't know I would have to care. Her <laughs> her story is one of the only Spider-Man books that I haven't read. <laughs> it's because it's a uh, Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. I think there's oh. like four books. I bought them. I just never read it. Wow. Okay. So it was in my it was in my blitz of trying to catch up. And I was like, it's other, it's other universe. I don't I don't need to care. Sure. And then I <laughs> and then and then the second Spider-Verse story came along and and then they made her there the Weaver. Okay. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and so now it's on my like, well, one of these days I need to go back and read it. But now sure. that I'm gonna be blitzing um mutant comics just to catch up it's right. going to be a while before i read them <laughs> anyway so <laughs> so spiderling is checking out the web she's going around the web, and then she stumbles upon the primal strand which is a thing and so each strand in the web of destiny is a different tie to a different universe okay so she finds like the first strand mm-hmm. is what this is and and um by touching it she gets a glimpse into the past Okay. And this is so, but this is the past of Loom World, and you have uh, some different gods hanging out. You've got Khonshu and Bast wow. chilling, and then this little girl up in front is the spider, like the first spider. I forget what her name is. It's uh, Neith, N-E-I-T-H. Hey. Yeah, right? <laughs> fucking Nomad. <laughs> <laughs> she is Shathra's little sister and okay. their parents, their mothers are Gaia and someone else. Whatever. Gaia's their mom. Okay. okay. Moving on. There's, there's <laughs> another goddess, but it doesn't matter for the story. So I don't need to so, stick on it. Anyway. Siblings with Thor. <laughs> Yes, actually. <laughs> so, well, yeah, other other universal siblings of Thor. This yeah. is on Earth 1 instead of sure. 616. Yeah. But anyway, so Oster is the other mother. Anyway, so Oster and Gaia gave Shathra a task. And they're like, hey, we need to design the celestial map of humanity. How uh, we want you to like design whatever it's going to look like. And she's like, cool. So she she's you know wasp themed, and so she made a giant hive and okay. a bunch of honeycombs. She's like, this is perfect. It's a honeycomb structure where every soul will grow and evolve in solitude until they are ready to become one with their hive. I call it the Great Nest. And Neith is like, that's really cool. Can I? I think, but I think you're like overthinking it. What if we did something else? And she spun a golden web. web in a tree and mm-hmm. it's like see everyone is connected everyone can help each other uh thrive and flourish okay and at that moment Oster and gaia come over and they're like hey daughter have you finished and 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 Shath was like i mean it's not ready but this is what i've been working on they're like that's 
interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not terrible. And then they see, um, they say Neith's design and they're like, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. And <laughs> and so they want to go with that. And Shathra's like, no, like it's yours. I honestly, I didn't even want to, I didn't want to work on it in the first place. I'm good. But then jealousy and yada, yada, and sure. she starts to go dark. And then when Gaia is introducing the web of life to all of the rest of the gods, Neith is like, and then I made these little guys, these little spiders to like keep help keep an eye on the web and to uh you know to guide wanderers through the multiverse, blah 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 blah. Okay. Uh <laughs> jealousy um overcomes herself and she goes completely black colored and starts summoning all these wasps and then uh sends them to sting all the spiders. And then, so they sting some of the spiders on the web, and the and they will hatch, or they like they'll like infest the spiders. The sp- and then little maggots will grow within the spiders and and gestate, and and then when they're ready, they'll come bursting out and take over the web. So okay. that is Shathra's idea, and then that was all in a flashback. Spiderling is watching this memory, and by watching the memory, Shathra is able to get herself out of wherever the hell she was stuck. And now she's back on Loom World, and she turns Spiderling into her nestling, and becomes like, and she becomes like this hybrid of spider and wasp, and then, then to be continued. But that's the now the concept of what's going the idea of what the new bad guy for end of spider verse is going to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we get, we get some time with Spider-Man India, Pavatir Prabhakar. He was kind of the tech, the resident tech genius um, on the spider team uh, and spider verse okay. team. Uh, we get introduced to earth 194 black cat, Felicia Hardy. Okay. She goes to steal Tony Stark's new toy, which is the tarantula idol. Uh, and when she goes to grab it, it pinches her, turns into a spider. So now, now she's the night spider. <laughs> okay. Her spider sense and the webs make stealing being a cat burglar and now a spider burglar too easy. And so <laughs> she's going to give it up. And as soon as she gives herself into the police, Anya shows up and is like, Hey, uh, I need you for a completely hopeless cause. But yeah, you actually have shit to do. Yeah, the Spider-Verse is in danger. We need you. And she's like, well, okay, let's go. <laughs> so Night Spider's joined. And then, oh boy. <laughs> and then we get introduced to, this is, so now this we're is, getting into this. Okay, so this is, yeah. Because when you're like, oh, it's it's a bunch of just like stories from throughout the multiverse of different like potential spiders. And I'm like, cool, like this is a bunch of stories that don't mean anything and you can just have fun with it. But when it's like, oh, no, these are all characters that are going to show They're back up again recruited. and have this. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're 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 doing your Samuel L. Jackson. You're putting a team together like yeah. it's it it's a much bigger storytelling lift. It, it gets to be less about having fun with it and more about like setting up things of grand importance. Yeah. Until you get to like earth three forty six, where you have anime spider. Her <laughs> name is Sakura spider. And she's designed exactly like one of the main characters from my hero academia. Yeah. And then you also have spider ham gets a, 
gets a cameo and he teams up for a little bit with Pete Spider-Man. No, his, his last, his last name. name is Spider-Man. No hyphen. <laughs> <laughs> he has a whole profile page and he looks, he, he's, he's the Ned Flanders of the spiders. I'm kind of into this. <laughs> yeah. He alter ego is Pete Spider-Man occupation, CPA <laughs> grill master. <laughs> Known relatives, Unky Benji and Nana Maymay. Okay. Group affiliation, the Forest Hillside Estates Homeowners Association. <laughs> First appearance, a very comic you hold in your hands. Height, 5'10", but six foot with Crocs on. <laughs> Weight, <laughs> Wait, not really where I want to be. <laughs> Eyes, brown. Hair thinning. <laughs> Some of his antagonists are the the Green Lawn Goblin, <laughs> Craven the Home Flipper. <laughs> uh, he's so he, uh, Mister Negative Review, Mouse Mall Stereo, and the Hob Gossiper. Okay, all threats to uh, the his friendly neighborhood. This sounds great. Okay, I'm back in. And he, yeah, he shoots webs. <laughs> anyway, at the end of that, Peter Porker, uh, Spider Ham gets stung sure. by a bee, by a wasp. Oh. Yeah. Earth 423 is Disney Spider. Oh, no. Like actual Princess Jasmine. And they oh, actually wow. drop quotes from other famous freaking, what are the Disney movies? Her mom is designed like the evil queen from. <laughs> Sleeping Beauty. Okay. And she reveals herself to be, oh, oh, and then she's not allowed to go to the ball because she got inked by Bishop Octopus <laughs> and she wishes she could go. And in wishing, she gets greeted by her fairy gobmother. <laughs> fairy gobmother, it looks like a green goblin fairy, fairy godmother. Sure. And gives her a spider themed gown and and spider powers okay. and she's like at midnight you'll have a choice to make <laughs> <laughs> either keep your powers to be the hero that you want to be yeah or uh but you will never find true love mm. or you will have your that parker luck. Go back yeah yeah or go back to being a regular princess at midnight yeah. as luck oh the, the mary jane of this Reality is his name is James Watson okay. and he's a bard and he's Mary like M E R R Y. Yeah. Okay. And so they call him Mary James. Anyway. Got you. Yeah. So evil mother outs herself as literally evil. being Mysterio. Yeah. So because she steals, she fairy godmother gets involved because her, her goblin orb gets stolen and that's goblin orb ends up being the ball that uh, her mom uses to make herself look like Mysterio. <laughs> okay. She, and she's like, no longer am I queen Mysteria. I'm now the mysterious empress. Mm-hmm. So the spinstress fights her mom and the climactic battle is going on at midnight. And she, so she keeps her powers, mm. um, and to finish the fight and Mary James is like, but, but like, what if we fought that? And she's like, I would love to, but then she gets pulled away um, to the fight. Um, 
Then you have Peter Parked Car. <laughs> you showed me a, 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 yeah. a picture of this. Yeah, Peter Parked Car in Earth 53931. And I uh, appreciate that they're having fun with it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is any of this any less silly than Spider Ham? Right, yeah. So, because he turns into the Spider Mobile. So, like, okay, okay, fine. He fought Mr. Rio Speed Buggy. And then Spider UK recruits him at the end of that. And then you get Sun Spider, who has Ehlers Danlos syndrome. So she oh, yeah. is in her wheelchair and she has like two walker, like walking sticks to help her like stand up and move if she needs to. Yeah. She's a high school senior, I, I believe. They were going to, uh, she meets up with her friends to go to this dance. And um, despite months of requesting wheelchair access, they didn't have wheelchair access Fine. set up. So that's like, there's, there's, they focused a lot on like people kind of looking at her with like pity or going out of their way for her when she's more than capable of taking care of herself. And like, if she needs help, she will ask for it. Like she's tired of people going out of the way for her. Mm -hmm. She fights a Dr. Octopus. Yeah. This world's auto has been trying to convince her to let him build her uh, some mechanical legs for her. Okay. And she keeps on refusing. Mm-hmm. They have their little fight. Uh, when he, so she refuses him one last time at the, at the dance, he loses it, starts trashing the party. So she goes and changes into spot on into sun spider and they have a little fight. And so sun spider has the two crutches on her arms mm-hmm. and she shoots webs out of the bottoms of the crutches. Nice. And then she gets, in, uh, she gets invited at the end of that fight. And then the last one, you have Craven hmm. getting after after fighting and killing a lion barehanded. He gets bit <laughs> by a, like, yeah, and then he, he gets bit by like a 20 foot long tarantula, and then he <laughs> bites it back. And then, <laughs> and then three months later, he comes back as the hunter spider. I really enjoy he, a sort of like. Craven the Hunter as Steve Irwin kind of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quirky. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's a beaut. And so J. John Jameson hires him to come to New York to take out all the ridiculous numbered numbers of uh animal-themed villains <laughs> sure. that are in New York. Uh and then you see that he has a trophy room. So everyone that he fights. He takes, he doesn't let them take into custody. He takes them and kills them. And so he has like a, he's taxidermied rhino, scorpion, and vulture. And he's got, he's got the heads mounted of like grizzly, stegron, the lizard, the white rabbit, which is just so overkill, black cat. (laughs) Oh, wow. And three others. One, I don't remember the name of, and two, I just don't recognize. Sure. Anyway, in his trophy room, he gets attacked by a swarm of wasps. And <laughs> instead of letting them sting him, he eats them. Huh. And then in doing so, he gets the ability to start traveling through the great web of by himself. Because oh, he has course. these like he gets these extra powers. And so he recruits himself into the Spider-Verse <laughs> uh team. Okay. <laughs> Spider Woman, Madam Web, and Spider UK are like, okay, we got to figure this out. And then he shows up. He's like, yeah, you do. Uh, 
hi. And they're like, how did you're not supposed to be able to get here? He's like, well, I did. So, uh, so point me in the direction of the wasp. Let's go. (laughs) And then the last one we get introduced to is the, um, what is it? It's a web weaver who is, um, a guy who had a crush on Peter Parker in high school mm-hmm. and saw the spider coming down to, to bite him and push him out of the way to save him. Oh. He got bit. Okay. And ended up getting a bunch of uh, spider powers. And he is a fashion designer and like already is ostracized for his sexuality, which got him mm-hmm. kicked out of the house. Uh, and so he went to go live with his Aunt Lori and her wife, Mel, um, they gave him a home to feel accepted in and then use his spider power. So he created a uh, uh, suit for himself. And he is a designer. He got into Janet Van Dyne's oh, cool. school of... Of design. D- fashion design. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember the word fashion design. Anyway. And so he's, uh, they're about to do like a big show and Albert moon, who is this universe's Cindy moon. Oh, okay. Is his ex-boyfriend and is now working for Van Dyne's biggest competitor, North star. Mm. So Jean Paul is the like, oh. Is is a fashion fashion industry uh, competitor? Okay, and so they they have their uh, fashion shows. Silk and Web Weaver cross paths, trying to take out the chameleon, and the chameleon was hired to take out this universe's Mary Jane, huh. who looks like uh, she looks. Her design is much more Felicia Hardy, but her name's MJ. Anyway. Okay. And then at the end of that, the uh, Silk gives Web Weaver a kiss. And then Spider UK is like, hey, we need you. Uh, I also need you to make a costume for me, if you don't mind, for <laughs> Spider-Woman. And then the last one is you get Silly Spider and he breaks the fourth wall. And he's literally like a like Sunday morning, su- sun- Sunday funnies. Oh, yeah. Like a newspaper comic strip. Yeah. Okay. Little Spider. Yeah. And uh it shows in his comic that he find there's a wall that has a number four on it. He's like, what's this? And he throws <laughs> something at it and it breaks it. And then it lets him see, <laughs> it lets him see the, the desk that he's being written on. Okay. And he sees this pen and he's like, Ooh, he starts drawing things for himself. Okay. And then he sees a real fly. And so he, he draws up a web to go and grab that fly. Mm. And then as that's happening, the artist comes in who is a black Peter Parker, or it's just black and white. He could just be in the dark. I don't know. But anyway, uh, and Jonah Jameson is like, where, where's my, where's my comics? You're going to miss your deadline. He's like, he was, I don't know. Why is this, why is this comic blank? And then silly spider gets the, gets the gets the fly and he puts a little sign that says the end and then and then madam web goes grabs the sign the end and she's like nope we need everyone and they're like wait what's what's all what is that crap all over your clothes and like um color and goes anyway so that's the end of that so it's just a bunch of new but like really weird like the fact that there's an anime spider a Disney spider, a T-Rex spider, a Sunday comic funnies spider. It sounds <laughs> like they're so having fun with it. Yeah. 
So the threat of Shathra makes me actually interested because she's like a semi throwback. <laughs> I'm coming at this from the exact opposite. I'm interested in everything but Shathra. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Shathra, it felt like she was a much more powerful villain than the time she was given the mm. last time I saw her at the mm-hmm. beginning of Straczynski's run. So I'm just, I'm like, ooh, okay, cool. She's back. Like, let's do this. Yeah. And also, I'm thankful for her because she's clearly going to be the reason why the Spider-Verse ends. (laughs) (laughs) So I am down. Nice. (laughs) On the flip side of multiverse, you have the Avengers. (laughs) Oh, yes. Jason Aaron. Some Jason Aaron. Basically, what the Avengers have realized is because they're they're dealing with that, like, multiversal Masters of Evil. Yeah. And the whole idea of what they're doing is they're going around to each universe to take out the legacy powers who are the um, prehistoric Avengers and what they all represent. So you have like prehistoric Iron Fist, Sorcerer Supreme, the Odin Force slash Thor, the Phoenix Force, the Star Brand, Black Panther, Phoenix, I already said, Ghost Rider. So their plan is, so they find out that that Mephisto is jumping through time to try to take out these legacy powers at different points in time. Okay. So for whatever reason. And so the Avengers are also hopping through time. They have a Quinjet that can travel through time. Sure. And, but it's faulty. And so they can't (laughs) accurately pinpoint exactly where they want to go. But every time they show up, there's, They show up in time to deal with a Mephisto attack. Sure. So we get three issues of three different time periods and it's not multiversal, but it's time, but it's, it's dumb because. (laughs) Okay. So in infinity warps, when we folded everybody onto each other, you had the soldier Supreme, which was a blend of captain America and Stephen strange. Yeah. Apparently. In 1943, we also had a Soldier Supreme. The thing that bugs me is they're doing this within 616's timeline and not alternate universe stuff, which would make much more sense. Okay. But Hickman did that, and he did it right. (laughs) Jason Aaron's doing this, and it's really weird, and it's not well executed. Anyway, you you have the Soldier Supreme... Dist- killing a demonic U-boat, and then everyone that survived are being possessed by what's being referred to as a soul sniper, <laughs> but basically it's Mephisto, and he's on an island, and the Avengers come and help, and and eventually sorry, his soul invaders. Sniper? Yeah, so okay. if you get shot by the soul sniper, that, that lets... Mephisto take over your body and you become his puppet. And then if if Sorcerer Supreme or if Soldier Supreme takes you out, you just hop into another body. And we never see the actual Soul Sniper person. So like to say Soul Sniper is it's a just bit a, of it's, a stretch. It's, it, you're, you're you're just you're you're just making noises with your mouth at this point. Jason Aaron yes. is just making noises with his mouth. It's yes, like, oh, this is Jason Aaron is proving my point that he needs to only be on solo titles yeah, <laughs> and not on these big old teams, but it is what it is. Anyway, 
So he survives long enough to get back up from his invaders. And you've got the secret invaders. And so he's got a 1943 blade and a, the war thing who is a infantry man thing. Okay. (laughs) Plus a ghostwriter. Again, Something you could do in a in multiverse. Don't do in your own time frame. It just in your own timeline. Just oh my god! It he continues yep. to be a parody of himself. Just stapling shit together. It's, just, yeah, it's can really no obnoxious. can no character concept stand on its own without just it's so being annoying, dude. Run through the ringer of for being as excited as I was about Jason Aaron's Avengers run. Yeah, for the first seven volumes <laughs> it's really it's obnoxious <laughs> so the next issue so i mean okay this book is called history's mightiest heroes okay and so we're just going so now we're in the edo period of japan and fighting or getting introduced to the ghostwriter of the edo period and he's got blue flames and he's a walking he, he looks like Ninja Scroll. Okay. Like he's the guy with the big old like rice patty hat, the Raiden sure. hat. Yeah. And then just like a, a white kimono thing and a sword. So he's not writing anything. And and so someone <laughs> maybe mentioned he's, that. Maybe, maybe he's maybe he's ghost raiden. So so someone, oh man, someone called it out. <laughs> And they were like, <laughs> I should have written it down, but they're like, so he's not, he's just walking everywhere. He doesn't really ride anything. <laughs> and, and then someone, it was like someone who was being way too obnoxious was just like, he's right. He's riding the souls of the night. And you're like, fuck off, dude. You're just <laughs> so ridiculous. You know, are you. How exactly is he a ghostwriter if he doesn't write anything? That's what Namor says. And Echo Phoenix is like, he rides the night itself and he's near. And you're like, Jesus really? Christ. Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So Mephisto is throwing yourself. a bunch of, yeah, Phoenix is throwing or Mephisto is throwing a bunch of time displaced baddies at Ghost Rider, and the Avengers are showing up in teams of two to try to help him. He doesn't need any help, sure. And they're just like, "Well, shit, okay, it is what it is." Well, sir, sir Ghost Rider, you are a target. Just letting you know, here's a little rundown, FYI, and he's just like, "Well." I'll take on whatever comes at me. And you're like, cool. Thanks, okay. thanks for your time. Moving on. <laughs> so <laughs> the next issue doesn't even get a time. Doesn't even get a year, but it's set in the wild west. Okay. And you get the, <laughs> you get Reno Phoenix and the star brand kid. Okay. And, and we're ignoring the, like, you know, Super like actual Western old West. Yeah, the two gun. Yeah, two gun. Two gun kid. kid the Phantom Rider. Um, yeah, Rawhide Kid. All of these like legacy Marvel stories that they have painstakingly pulled back into six one six continuity. Right. Yeah, because because they wouldn't be able to fight a getaway Shi'ar train. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is. Sorry, sorry. It's a Shi'ar Sky Train as it lifts off 
to 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 go to one of the three Shi'ar vessels out in space, which Starbrand is like, I see him. And then Reno Phoenix is like, must be 50 miles from here to the edge of space. Reckon those warbirds figure they're out of your range. And Starbrand kid says, reckon they do. And then he shoots his <laughs> Starbrand six, six shooter and takes him out from, from nowhere. Like, sure. So Shi'ar have been checking out earth for quite some time apparently i guess so yep and then reno phoenix is like cool my turn and so he lassos the shiar sky train with a lasso made of fire and then wrangles it then a whole bunch of people show up and it's a bunch of people wearing red kerchiefs like bandits and they all have these weird demon guns and so they all fight and then the avengers the 616 avengers show or the 21st yeah. century Avengers show up and they're like, Hey, we got you. Like, let's, let's help you out. And they have their little battle. And then you get cowboy Mephisto being like Reno Phoenix, take my hand, join me. And, and Reno Phoenix is like, nah, I'm good. And then, and then I don't, you, there's no reason for you to remember this, but <laughs> Mephisto has a right hand man okay. and it's the damned soul of Howard Stark. Okay. And he has like a hell Stark armor. Okay. And so Iron Man is like, who the hell are you? And he's like, I'm the devil's right hand man. And he says, hail Mephisto, hail Stark. And Tony's like, what? (laughs) And then that's the last time we actually see them there. So (laughs) yeah, they, they, they finish the fight and move on. And then it ends with Reno Phoenix and Starbrand kid going to the, hanging man vessel that Mephisto was using to make deals with all these people. And uh, maybe we'll see them again. (laughs) And then uh, (laughs) the next issue is the um, AXE crossover. And so I, so I stopped. Okay. God. Um, Okay. I'm going to read. So this didn't, this didn't, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stop for a sec because I'm curious. A X E. That's three letters. Yeah. And one of them is Avengers. Yes. Do you get any sense that Avengers is building up to AXE? No. Okay. <laughs> no, because they're building up to Avengers Forever stuff. Yeah. Like there's been no crossover. Or cameo with any Eternals. Yeah. So what I know. They haven't the said anything line, like, oh, those Collins, so, we gotta well, know. Here's the thing. Yeah. I think we are mistakenly calling it AXE. Oh. Because the book just says Avengers X-Men Eternals Judgment Day. And right. so I believe the storyline is actually called Judgment Day. But regardless, maybe I think I think the Avengers, the only reason why. So what I know from what I've gleaned from trying to figure out if I should read a comic or not (laughs) is that the Eternals are going to attack the X-Men and the Avengers are trying to stop the Eternals. Okay, And then I also know that Avengers Mountain gets involved because 
Avengers Mountain is a giant dead celestial, and the Eternals are very connected to celestials. So sure. Okay. Those two plot points are all I know. I believe I can't even say for sure, but those are the only two plot points that I know of. Yeah. Also, I think Uncanny Avengers makes a comeback, which has always been the Unity Squad. Right. And so it's going to be another Avengers team of mutants and um, Avengers. Right. But no, there's no there's no buildup. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely no buildup. Okay. Okay, I'm going to... I can tell you what... Okay, Spider-Man. I read one issue of Spider-Man. <laughs> and... It involves him and Mary Jane and Mary Jane at the end being like, no, you need to leave me alone. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Was it at least a a, a good, you know, dramatic scene between these characters? No, she, dude, she is so over Pete. Wow. And like, it's so weird. And then, so Wolverine invited Spider-Man to the Hellfire Gala, to the second Hellfire Gala. Yeah. And... One of the main players of the Hellfire game, at least in the one, there's a main player that involves Mary Jane in the plot, and so Spider-Man and Wolverine and Grey Crow have yep. like a one-issue team up <laughs> to chase Mary Jane and try to deal with this main player whoever that may be (laughs) okay fair enough just the like one page so the first page the first page is like the review like the 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 narrative boxes are like a flashback okay and they're like wait so what happened (laughs) it's like this this is this and i was like oh (laughs) (laughs) oh no didn't know that was gonna happen so yeah so the main okay. player is is a thing. So there's a lot. There, there's there's a lot between here and there that we yeah, are yeah. going to come across in our reading of Coca-Cola. Yeah. My goodness. Is this a good time to tell the 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 listeners that we're gonna do a Krakoa death march here to to get you prepared for sure. AXE? Well, it partially prepared for AXE. Partially prepared, yeah, not even the full thing. Yeah. The next four episodes are going to be just a deluge yeah. of Trials of X. I'm pretty stoked, honestly. I'm super stoked. I mean, fuck. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's going to be wild. It's going to be fun. Yeah. But yeah. This, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of X coming up. Yeah. And then I'll have to make a judgment call on uh, if I feel like another 30 issues of X universe is okay to skip <laughs> to read, <laughs> to read judgment day. Yeah. We're it's the, it's the, the way that they're publishing, you know, cause we've been reading these collected volumes uh, that just are like reign of X or dawn of X, reign of X trials of X, right. They, they've been collecting sort of a compilation of all of the different, uh, X-Men title, spinoffs, whatever. In really good chronological order. In a really good chronological order. It's been a good reading experience. However, they come out much more slowly and more slowly 
it consistently staggered backward backward from when all of the other Marvel title comes out titles come out. Yeah, it's really obnoxious. So there we're about a year like right now we're about a year behind your reading of the mm-hmm. uh, of all of the other Marvel of trades. 616. Yeah. yeah. Like for reference Trials 11, so we just covered Trials 6 and Inferno. Yeah. Trials 11 and 12 have the side story crossover event issues for Devil's Reign. Which you read on the pod how many months ago? A long time ago. Yeah. A bit ago, I should say. I don't know. But yeah, so we're just, we're very behind because of Marvel's chosen release schedule for the X titles. Not our fault. (laughs) So yeah, so we're going to, we're going to make some moves to catch up halfway basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to have some discussions offline about what to do next. Yeah. Iron Man volume four. I'm skipping Captain America's. I want to do that last. Okay. Iron Man volume four. So we ended last volume with him going into rehab. He comes, he, it, we pick up with Patsy picking him up from rehab. Okay. That was uh, three months of rehab. Uh, he feels like he's not, he feels like he's not ready but he's doing well enough bullet points at this point. So he proposes to Patsy. Wow. Okay. Basically um, he says, well, he proposes in a note first of all, okay. And has her read it in front of him. And then she says, Tony, I is like, I know it's a lot, but Patsy, I've got this real clarity right now. And I had a lot of time to think while I was up there, you just, you anchor me in ways no one ever has. Patsy, I really love you. Hmm. And she's like, I love you too, Tony. I always will. And it's like, oh. And he says, always will. Like, because we're married or always will even after I've moved on. <laughs> and she's like, Tony, the last time I got married, it was to the son of Satan. She married <laughs> Damon Hellstrom. Uh-huh. And he's like, I know. That was really tough. And I died. Right. Terrible. And I was trapped in hell with demons. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Anyway, point is, this was how to get them to break up because she doesn't say yes. Okay. She says, let me think about it. And then she she has a few scenes of her walking around town with headphones on, thinking to herself, and she realizes, no, this is not what I want. Yeah. So Tony is back and working with Stark Unlimited. He fights a gorilla, and, <laughs> uh, like you do. <laughs> Specifically, this gorilla is brought in from experimental research, the experimental research department at Empire State University. Okay, the Advanced Zoological Cognition Program. This is Chet the gorilla, and he's going to play a game of chess against this super AI that he had that. Okay. His face has start shots. Anyway, the gorilla uses two hands to make a move. Like he picks up a piece with one hand and and knocks the other piece he's about to take out with his other hand. That's apparently an illegal move. Okay. And so they're going to add two minutes to the AI's time, and then the robot or the gorilla gets pissed and then goes on a rampage and fights Tony. Okay. The main point here is, <laughs> well, Tony gets on his roller skates again, which is like a meme from the old, the like the first Iron Man cartoon show. Okay. 
And I want to say maybe one of the, like Mark, the Mark three armor might've had roller skates. Sure. You know, the seventies were a wild time. Yeah. He has roller skates now. And so he's rolling, rolling around at the speed of sound point is so like they they're really going out of the way. So they have really dumbed down Tony's tech. Hmm. Like he's, you know, cause like, there's been all this time of like Invisible Iron Man, uh, the Bendis run. Yeah. He had an armor that was the all armor, like every single sure. suit of armor into one, and it could just like modularly shift. Yeah. There's another one where he had like right before he went to space, he had like a whole bunker that could equip whatever armor he needed at the time. There sure. was the bleeding edge, the armor, yep. the, the extremist armor where like the armor is like literally in his body. Yeah. But like since then, since all of that stuff and he, since he's been genetically recreated <laughs> so many times, <laughs> he has decided to basically start over. And okay. so he has this like crude AI that he calls boss Okay. The, uh, it's an acronym. I don't know what it stands for, if it stands for anything. And the way boss speaks is still in like computer speak. Okay. It's like accessing systems and it's like surrounded by brackets and then like system status ready. Like the way that it talks is super archaic. Sure. The armor he has doesn't have a bunch of tools and stuff. It's just repulsor blasts. Okay. It's super, super, super dumbed down. Also, his the eyes are just open windows. Oh, interesting. Like the old days. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like old school Iron Man in current times. It's very strange. Like, he's a tech superhero. It's so odd to reset his tech. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you kind of have to at a certain you point. You do. You you yeah. really do have to. It's just, I guess for me, it's just the fact that it's lasting this long. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so the main antagonist here is this group called Source Control, who is a black market weapons dealer that um, only deals in world-ending tech. Wow. I don't suppose there's a huge market for that. Right. But then on top of that, like none of it is stuff we've seen before. At least none of it's recognizable to me. Okay. So like, yeah, things that change the rules of reality or just mess things up so bad intentionally or not that the universe itself might never recover. Cybernetic (laughs) and computerized nastiness, biologically engineered nightmares, chemical doomsdays, large scale nuclear plug and plays, weather weapons, interdimensional cheat codes, things that fuck with time itself, quantum level reorganization and annihilation, star system killers. You just have to have the right amount of cash. And like, while it's listing all that, it's kind of like, showing random examples of what's what they have none of which looks familiar although although these look a lot like the bombs that reed and t'challa made in for uh the um incursions Mm, that deleted entire planets sure that they would use to destroy the earth the other earths yeah but other than that, I don't recognize any of the other things. Hmm. And I don't know if it's me not being an effective Marvel fan or if they're <laughs> legitimately just making up new stuff. Anyway, point is, Tony Stark comes, uh, hears about it, and he wants to take all of them off the market. And so sure. he wants to use his money to buy 
everything source control has to take out their system, basically. Okay. And then he's going to hide it all. He's going to learn how he's going to reverse engineer it all so he can figure out how to stop it if something like this happens again. Sure. Excuse me. And then he's going to destroy the weapons. That's his game plan. Okay. Ah, <laughs> main takeaways here are he does it by the end of it, spends everything he owns. And one transaction was $3 billion. <laughs> so $3 billion. So he is plum broke, but he's bought everything. Okay. Including what was the most motivating factor for him. The 10 Makluan rings of the, of, um, the Mandarin. The Mandarin. Okay. So for those who only know <laughs> of the Ten Rings from Shang-Chi, the, man, the, the Mandarin's Ten Rings from the comics are actual rings that go on your ten fingers. And they're they all have all, different powers. They all have very different powers. And they all, like, one's like pyrokinesis, and then one opens up black holes. Like, it spans... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, that's cute. You can cause a little campfire. Also, you can create a gravitational yeah. anomaly, destroy an entire planet. Exactly. So they are created by a race of aliens called the Makluan, and they are incredibly powerful. And how I don't remember the story behind how the Mandarin got them. They explored it in Bendis's run of sure. Invincible Iron Man back in the day, but it doesn't and, matter. Point and is, of course, the reason the- that they didn't include any of this in the MCU is the outrageous racism. Outrageous racism <laughs> of the design of the Mandarin, and yep. then um, also the idea that these ten rings on the fingers can be so powerful, but then they kind of are doing a little bit of that. They're pulling a little bit from it yeah. for the ten rings in Shang Chi, yeah. as evidenced by the end credit scene, where yeah. like Wong is ob- ob- looking at them and is like, "Wait, they're sending a signal to space, and there's something otherworldly about them." Just FYI, mm-hmm. and Shang Chi's like, "Well, let's go to karaoke." So anyway. <laughs> Uh, so the ten rings are there. That's the last transaction that he does. But he gets he gets beaten there by Cobalt Man, huh. who's a throwback from yeah. Armor Wars. So Titanium Man was here is is an antagonist for like an issue and a half. Uh, he's one of the he's one of the runners for Source Control. And Switchback, who was in the Weapon X program. Oh, geez. He was uh, he was one of the runners. Just random like cameos through the okay. issues. But Cobalt Man ends up buying the Ten Rings. Huh. After, okay. after Cobalt Man kind of turns, turns sides and gets rid of Titanium Man and his enforcers, uh, Cobalt Man removes their mask and it's Riri Williams. Huh. Guys. Okay. Where she got this $3 billion to buy it? <laughs> don't ask. Yeah. Um, but uh, she said that she's been studying the Ten Rings like conceptually for years now. And she is convinced that she can use those Ten Rings to make the world better. To, well, she says to save the world, but it's not currently in danger. So. Well, it's always in danger. <laughs> Otherwise, the Avengers wouldn't have a job. Yep. After 
after a heated classic hero versus hero argument over who should have the rings. Of course. And and seasoned heroes not trusting the new heroes, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Tony's finally says, okay, fine. You take the rings. I'll take everything else. <laughs> so, yeah. So we'll see what comes from that, I guess. Okay. Riri Williams is now has the 10 rings of the Mandarin. That's um, pretty large. City. Uh-huh. Tony has a warehouse on Long Island full of reality and world-ending tech. There's no way that goes poorly. Mm-hmm. And that it's there. Jen McCabe, who is his go-to um, personnel, security personnel. Yeah. Rhodey and him. Okay. Also, in order to do this buy stuff, he had to fake uh, going into a coma and... <laughs> The last issue is him saying he got out of the coma. And in celebration of that, New York wants to do an Iron Man day. And there, and he was going to, he was invited to do a speech down on 79th and 5th. Okay. Right by the park. Right by the park. Yep. By the uh, park at least. Well, central park, right by the old uh, side of Avengers mansion, really. Oh, well, there you go. And then instead of doing that, he went to try to go save this guy's life. And he ended up passing away. And then Patsy or Rhodey crosses paths with them. Patsy goes and gets them and takes them, takes them to Avengers Mansion, where his friends are all there. And they're just like, hey man, happy Iron Man Day. Oh, cool. And it's Cap Spidey, Rhodey, Thor, Thing, Dragon Man, Frogman, Bethany, and Frogman. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because Frogman was on his space team. That's right. For whatever reason. Yep. <laughs> Same with Dragon Man and and a couple other people. Anyway, the last issue is a random like special for something that happened three different stories from three different time periods. One in the past, one that's a re reprint of Tales of Suspense 126. And then one is a teaser for things to come. And I did not get teased. Like I'm just <laughs> It's it's one page and it's Tony in a in a courtroom. Jen is defending him. The some uh, someone is standing at Howard Stark's grave. Someone is sta- uh, there's another thing that shows Stark Unlimited and someone painted murder on it. Uh, someone in the silver centurion armor aiming a repulsor at the camera, and then a redhead holding a gun that says, "Who avenges your victims, Tony Stark?" And then that's it. So, hmm. okay, yeah, that could mean anything. <laughs> exactly. So, I was happily surprised with Captain America: Sentinel of Liberty. Cool, because like I just so having two Captain America titles. So I was not enthused, if you will remember, yeah, by the Sam Wilson Captain America right. storyline. This one, I was like. So what are you going to do <laughs> with a Steve Rogers story? Like, sure. how are you going to make me care about this? Like, we just did United States of Captain America, where yeah. we, like, kind of established the the idea of Captain America, where he fight, he stands up for those who can't. Yeah. And, like, that's, like, the, the, the ethos. Um, and then you have... Now you're doing two Captain Captain America titles, and you have Sam Wilson dealing with um, 
vibranium and um, uh, something going on with with Wakanda and so on and so forth. Sure. What are you going to do with Steve Rogers? Right. And turns out you could do you. I would get. Okay. When I say it, it's going to be like, well, that's dumb. But it's kind of cool. If it's done well, yeah. So let's change the meaning and the purpose of the shield. Okay. And according to this, the shield actually is a different symbol. The three circles and the, the five points of the star are representative of a group. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Of five members who basically are like the global Illuminati. <laughs> Is this one of yeah. those things where like, oh, if you like look at the dollar bill, man, and like uh-huh, the, uh-huh. the fucking pyramid and the eye and oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, so we're doing conspiracy theory, Captain America here. Conspiracy theory, Captain America, and okay. like there are some parts that are a stretch as far as establishing new history. Yeah, <laughs> but it almost kind of might work. Huh. But basically, let's see. I wanted to get to. Uh, oh, we also so we also get more civilian life. Steve Steve Rogers. He goes and rents this. Uh, this apartment in Lower East Side, Manhattan, okay. uh, room four oh six, I think. It's the it's the apartment that he grew up in with his mom. Oh, nice! Which is super cool. That's and cute. It's a total yeah. fixer upper. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just liked that. And he's going to community college. And he's taking some art classes. Oh, and good for him. He's, yeah, and so he's getting his. He's got some friends. He's making some friends there. Mia, David, and Hudson. And then he also spends time on this old bandwidth radio with some old friends of his that they're, they call themselves the radio company. And they okay. just check in every day. And it sounds wonderful. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> but so one night they're chilling on the radio and they start hearing a bunch of numbers being sent on this old wavelength. Okay. And they're like, what does it mean? I want to know. And so they all start dusting off. So one girl is this like super old lady, Pam. She loves puzzles. And so she's like, I'll totally figure it out. There's um, this guy, John, who was an actual rocket scientist. Okay. And he likes to break numbers down into math and blah, blah, blah. And then this other guy, Roger, who's the son of the first Union Jack. Okay. He was Union Jack for a little bit, and then oh, and then he retired. He was, I think, he was in something that I read recently, like oh. 90, it, I think he was in that X Men Hellfire Club, like that origin of the Shaw family. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So he was. So the Destroyer is. So sorry, not Union Jack. I'm sorry. He was the Destroyer. Oh. The oh, okay. same time, Never same mind. Invader team, but the sure. Destroyer has. Um, a big red collar and like a skull mask, a skull okay. mask. But he was on the team. He had a super soldier-esque serum. Okay. 
And Union Jack well, was like, quote mind. unquote, just a guy. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> same, same time frame, different guy. Yeah. But anyway, so he's on, he's on this with them and they start deciphering and they find out that someone, something's going down uh, uh, during the 4th of July parade. And they find a guy who is like an updated version of the destroyer. And Steve is pissed because he's wearing his friend's um, face mm-hmm. and he's got a bunch of powers, which seems, which is crazy. Uh, Steve and Bucky take him out. And before Bucky can take the kill shot, Steve, Steve stops him, breaks his mask. And he's like, what the hell is this? What's going on? Yada, yada. And this kid is just like, I'm not walking away from this. No one can ever. I fail to execute his move, which means I'm looking at you with dead eyes, talking to you with dead lips. He's like, come on, we can help you. He's like, just shut up and listen. The shield isn't what you think. It's not your symbol. It's theirs. And then he gets killed. He just like dies. And then he has this weird, yeah, (laughs) he has this diamond tattoo on his neck. Okay. And it's this, it's the kind of diamond, like half of it, is shorter than the other half. Okay. The kind of diamond that if you had five of them, it would make the star on Cap's shield. Oh. Which Bucky immediately realizes. <laughs> and he just says, one down, four to go. And you have, you have this like paper clipping conspiracy board. Okay. Okay. It, it ends with this random guy doing this monologue and it ends with him saying, forward the revolution. All right. So we get a breakdown, uh, uh, like a montage of them deciphering more codes, yada, yada, yada. And they find evidence of a handful of names refer- referen- uh, referencing the five points of the star. Mm-hmm. You have the power, the money, the love, the revolution, and the machine. and. Cap ends up going and finding the place where the she, the forge, he finds the forge and in that forge is where the, the shield was made because <laughs> Cap admits he's never actually thought about that. Yeah. And you know what? Neither have I. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So yada, yada, yada. He finds the forge and then he gets attacked by this un unknown assailant he's all he he looks like a silver big robot kind of guy okay while he's doing that there's a b plot of bucky going to this uh going to majapur into this high rollers table and who is dealing none other than peggy carter she has some sort of nefarious thing going on okay peggy carter has something nefarious going on Peggy does, yeah. Oh, right, because we have young Peggy something, we something. Do have, yeah, Peggy, for whatever reason, she's still young, and she never died, and she has been leading the Daughters of Liberty. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. For decades. Okay. And so now she's in Majapur, and Bucky's like, you're connected somehow, what the hell's going on? And she's basically, she basically says... Listen, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. And if something's going on that I don't know about, I will find it. But it, but, but rest assured, this is the last time you're going to see me. Also, she kicks his ass. <laughs> nice. Which, which, which completely threw me off guard because Becky's sure. a good fighter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, at the forge, we come, uh, Cap. <laughs> 
anyway, whatever. Cap like energizes the shield because he listened to it because it's weird. And then he electrocutes the big robot thing and he sees the skeleton of a person under it. And he's like, all right, there was a man there. It's not a robot. And then it loses and he gets teleported away. And so he's like, cool. So let me go check out the forge. And he finds the actual like dish that the shield was forged in. Okay. And he's like, hmm, fits perfectly. And so he puts the shield in and a, a pre-recorded message gets sent out. It's okay. like, not sent yeah. out, but like, comes on yeah and it tells him that basically the shield in this design was created by them and not i them. don't i don't uh the i could go and get the name of the the guy it's a black oh, okay. guy who forged it it doesn't really matter okay but he's just but he basically says i don't believe in their cause and we need to out them and so I'm making this shield in the shape of them so we can get the their symbol out in front of people. Huh. If you've gotten this message, then either their plan has come to or like my plan's come to fruition and I'm probably dead. But like you need to stop them whoever has this shield. Huh. And so yeah. Uh, so that was him acting out of rebellion for to the group and then when that plays the woman representing the machine uh shows up and she's like yeah uh you shouldn't have seen that uh it's time for you to die and so she she literally is self she grenades multiple grenades go off in this forge and then she cap the forge is in a volcano, a dormant volcano. Sure, yeah, and do it the, up. The, yep, the grenades start going off and lava, and so and so and so to help him escape. In his escape, Cap shield surfs across some lava, uh-huh. and then like explosions, and then Cap survives. It doesn't. It sure. The the explosion is literally the size of a mountain, but it's fine. <laughs> Cap survives, and then uh, you get the that little that soldier thing the 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 big metal guy um stalking steve steve goes and visits bucky and is like bucky there's secrets we we can't be having secrets if we're going to do this and the destroyer guy called bucky the sentry weapon and that just brought back all kinds of memories and um, leg- stuff about legacy, about Bucky. And he says, I've known for months, thought it was just another layer to the Winter Soldiers to my god-awful legacy. More blood on my hands, another hunt for peace. I didn't know about the circle. I didn't want to drag you into this. I thought I was alone in this. But yeah, he's like, yeah, they're called star points. Five assassins they use to make sure history plays out the way they choose. The Winter Soldier was one of them. Well, specifically, Bucky was one of them. Okay. Like, they orchestrated his parents' death and and had him adopted by the army so that he could be placed next to Steve Rogers this entire time. They orchestrated the Soviets to pick up Bucky to turn him into the Winter Soldier because that's literally what the mission of the Winter Soldier was this entire time is he gets taken off of ice to take out a target to make the Russian... That was like that was working against the Russians. So that's been Bucky's thing this whole time, and it recontextualizes his history Uh to be that he was one of these star points working for 
those guys also. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And then you get like this montage of Cap going throughout his day and getting different perspectives. There's there's a whole monologue about America from this guy in a bar that I thought was kind of interesting. Okay. He basically says, first we eat the rich, then we save the damn planet. And <laughs> Cap's like, I don't think you should do cannibalism. And he's like, it ain't cannibalism, Cap. It's a way of thinking. The neighborhood started as slave country. In the 1700s, over 40% of the households in New York City had actual slaves. Then it was gangland. All mobsters getting their theirs while the little guys got scraps. Then it was the triangle shirtwaist fire. 146 people dead mm-hmm. over some profit margins. And Cap says, but that's the point of the law, isn't it? To square rea- uh, reality and our, and our ideals. You want all these socialist reforms, why not Why not wait and let the system do its job? He says, mm-hmm. wow, Rogers, for a man out of history, you sure don't understand it. The system didn't outlaw slavery. The system didn't get rid of the mob, and it sure as hell didn't fix the profit margins. Those stars and stripes didn't save anyone. You know who did? The little guy. And do you want to come to a union bar and talk socialism? Let's talk something straight. Let's get something straight. Socialism has been a part of this country since the revolution. One place in particular, actually, that you'll be well familiar with, the military. Your needs oh, are met. Yeah. Right? <laughs> your needs are met. Your pay is low, but you're doing something for the greater good. So it all balances out. Soldiers might be living in defense of capitalism, but they sure as hell ain't practicing it. Or did you take out a loan to afford those superhuman abs of yours? Yeah. And I was like, damn. <laughs> Fucking spitting truth. Yeah. <laughs> right? And I was like, oh, I got to read this to Steve. So yeah. <laughs> it was, it's just, it's, it's so interesting. Like, I love... This is one of the things that I actually like about Captain America is like literally everyone has a different definition of America. Yeah. And it's him having to have those people, writers being willing to make Captain America have those conversations. Absolutely. What I love. I mean, you, you can't, you can't avoid the politics of Captain America, at least. Right. Yeah. And yeah, not at all. <laughs> it's right there in the name. Yeah. yeah. So it was just, it was, it was awesome. So after that, the thing that's been stalking him, the, that same soldier guy thing, fine, fine. He cap walks into an alley and he's like, listen, I know you've been following me all day. You didn't attack me when I was with this little kid. Probably to, you probably don't want to kill kids. You didn't attack me when I was at the bar. You didn't attack me when I was at my art class. Mm-hmm. I guess too many witnesses. So you have a mission, but you've been choosing not to involve other people. Mm. And so they have, he's like, listen, I'm by myself. Let's do this. And so while they're fighting it out, he basically is is like, Hey, you're a human. I saw that you were a human under there. You can make choices. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to be the pawn for the machine anymore. Interesting. So he says, Everyone who laughs and thinks lives inside the circle. So because they have, they've let the three circles of the shield be kind of ambiguous of like what each one represents, but it's basically kind of represents the world and the people in it. And the five points control the circles. Sure. And so, so everyone laughs and thinks and lives inside the circle. All of us, we can choose our place. You may have to fight for it and it might not be perfect, but if we reach, 
if we have each other's backs, you can stand free. I don't, I don't know who you are or how you happened, but soldier, after today, you have a clear idea about me. So let me ask you for maybe the first time, what place do you choose? Hmm. I'm going to them wherever they are. They're playing a game, meticulous and precise. I'm going to flip the table. Do you want to help? Hmm. And so the fight ends and the and the mystery thing shakes his hand and is like, I'm in. Cool. And okay. he was the revolution's soldier, I guess. And so now, so revolution the, the revolution guy is just like, well, it's time to do this. So they all have a, a meet, the machine, the love, the revolution, the power, and whatever the fifth one was. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, okay, let's discuss. Our, our next move. And then, uh, so mystery man, Bucky and uh, Steve go and parachute in and they go and uh, infiltrate the place, the, the, the circle. Mm-hmm. And they all uh, kind of do their thing. They talk about, so they introduce themselves. This is the first time they've actually been able to talk to Steve yeah. and they're like, hello, you know, we are the outer circle, the money, the power, the love, the revolution. And of course myself, the machine. Uh, you've been tracking our moves, a spectator to the only game that matters, our century game. Agents of chaos, yet you think us monsters. No, we're the survivors. At the birth of the century, the world painted itself in blood and bone. We are the children of that Armageddon. Hmm. And so we grew with the millennium to weave the story of the world with every strand of song and secret wish, and yes, with tragedy. We don't control, we inspire. We bend the world, and those who know, not the leaders, but those in true power, they understand. That's why why they tithe soldiers equipment all tools in our belt the whole damned world loyal to the circle because chaos is infinitely worse it is inhumane it is intolerable the game for the 20th century died in a draw because we were all so cooperative the money the machine and myself a century where men like you could grow into icons but it has become tedious the game for the 21st century has just begun the power move 23 captain america dies and so hmm. all the soldiers show up and they're just like hey we're gonna kill you and somehow bucky and steve are surrounded yeah. and all of the soldiers have guns and somehow bucky and steve don't get shot <laughs> <laughs> good old stormtrooper aim it's just so stupid like you can try to get away with steve blocking things right. with a shield but one he throws it a lot and two <laughs> <laughs> we have a 360 degree surrounding that shield does not <laughs> but you know whatever sure <laughs> and then it ends with steve breaking somebody's mask and sees some lady he's just like listen you can choose you can stand down you don't have to do this um she's like no like i literally can't put the gun down they'll They'll explode me. There's bombs in this blah, blah, blah. And he's okay. like, all you all you have to do is try. And she's like, she's and she clearly doesn't want to kill Captain America. So yeah. she drops the gun and then looks up and like waits for the explosion and then it doesn't go off. And then everyone is expired and inspired to go to drop the guns. And and she's like, I don't know what happened, but I think we just got saved by Captain America. And he's like, Well, no, you saved yourself. But also, um, I think I had some help and and shows that the the third machine man guy went and um, took out oh. the controls to destroy the stuff. Anyway, cool. So now it's down to Bucky and Cap, and Bucky's like, "Okay, this is my move, right? We're going for the we're going for the revolution. You 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 back me, you back my play, right?" And he's like, "Yes, of course." 
And so only the revolution is left and they go up there and, and Bucky's like, okay, I'm going to take him out. And Steve's like, no, there's a, no, no, you're not going to, you're not going to kill him. We, no. He's like, Steve, you said you were going to back me. He's like, no, seriously, stop. <laughs> and then, and then Bucky's like, all right, Steve, you should go. And Steve gets in between the two. So Bucky pulls a pistol, but Steve gets in between the two of them. And Steve's like, you're not going to pull that trigger. And, and he has a very, very serious face and he's, he's going to pull the damn trigger. Uh-huh. And, and he's like, come on, Buck, this like, don't give in to vengeance. And he's like, this isn't vengeance, Steve. It's a revolution. Mm-hmm. And he says, Bucky, wait. And then he shoots through Steve oh. to kill the revolution. And that's, the end of the fourth fourth issue. So I can't even imagine having to wait for a month after that. So, and then, so he shot through Steve's shoulder to kill revolution. And now he's done it. And Steve's just like, come on, man, like, can we leave? And he's like, no, like you you don't know what I'm doing here. So anyway, point (laughs) is they have an all out fight and it ends with God, Bucky threw like, threw a, a missile at him. It was wild. But anyway, Bucky Sparta kicks him off of the ledge of where they are, gra- grabs Bucky's uh, metal arm, and and Steve's just like, come on, man. He looks at him, and Bucky has this uh has a flashback to when to World War II when they're to um, they're all together. And then he gets this like really pained look on his face, lets out a tear clicks his arm and dis and and detaches his metal arm and oh. Steve falls. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So he let go of Steve. Bucky had his outlash out just like pain, rage, scream. Yeah. Goes and gets a new arm out made out of the same like metal stuff that the other guy, the other soldier thing had, which we okay. don't see anymore. Sure. So he walks in through a door and he says, okay. Bucky Barnes is gone. You can now call me the new revolution. And he sits down at the table with the other four. And he says, let's play. Okay. He says he's going to take it down from the inside. And right. With, with, with things like this, you can only do it from the inside. Right. But we'll see, man. Yeah. It was so, so much, so much more interesting to me than I thought it was going to be. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Just cool conversations with Steve and like, like, the fighting was just to like fill pages. It felt mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was, it was much more of a heady story mm-hmm. and just like, and then again, it's more just like conversations about what, what do you stand for? What do you fight for? And like, it it's weird because like this new group, the tithe or whatever got introduced yeah. as like this, honestly huge big bad right but like the weight like the weight is there but like the impact almost doesn't feel like it's there Mm. but like because the but like the way that it was introduced it made it feel like we're only just discovering yeah this ancient group instead of like hey like big flashy yeah yeah like when the kid when the kid hellfire club got introduced right it was super flashy and big and like like almost like a the it felt like the the pilot episode of a new show sure yeah uh, yeah yeah. you know to grab your audience whereas getting introduced to these guys it it almost it felt like you're just like starting on like season six (laughs) 
of of a show and and like it just it just worked awesome and like i know i they dropped like they used this whole like the shield isn't yours it's theirs right analogy they use it real quick to like to to throw in the question of like what is the shield Mm -hmm. but like they dropped it kind of fast and i hope i hope that it wasn't just a launching point like i kind of want more like Right. Are they going to dive into the forge a little bit more, or like why build, why design the shield that way, or like I don't know. I'm I'm curious where it's going to go. I don't care yeah. where Sam's story is going to go, but I want to <laughs> know about this one. <laughs> well, I hope Sam redeems himself eventually, but that's cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was cool. Okay, was that all your books for the week, or do you? That was that was <laughs> that was it. Okay, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> uh, what about you? Okay, so. We have your cool sounding titles. Let's start at the top of this roller yeah. coaster, man. <laughs> Let's see. So X-Men Unlimited 28. This is just kind of a random story. Could have been thrown in with the the pod that we recorded with the Claremont run with Dr. Uh, Demand, except that we it's not written by Claremont. But anyway, it's just a random story in the middle of that. So in during that sort of like reading that we did gambit's team so beast uh, gambit beast gene storm and cable uh went to moscow for a mission after finishing their business in moscow they're hanging out as tourists gambit tries to hit on this woman who turns out to be dark star and gets walloped she's hypnotized or something they fight she snaps out of it she takes them to yet another ex-soviet black site you know <laughs> right. I mean, it's like cables, drop sites, and Nick Fury's black black offices. Just, totally. They're they're just they're gonna be places. Yeah, yeah. The the Soviet Union had just an uncountable number of discrete <laughs> programs to create superheroes or bio disasters or what have you, right? None of them have barely any connection with each other until maybe Jonathan Hickman tried to retcon them all into being part of Leviathan. I don't know. Point is (laughs) this one's called rebirth Island and there's a researcher there who is a mutant named Dr. Ivan Kivelki, AKA black death. And he was exposed to basically this Soviet version of the legacy virus, but his mutant powers had him absorb the virus, and now he's a walking death cloud. He wants beasts help curing himself, blah, blah, blah. They win, cure him, but then send him away. So he's still around, and uh, hey, let's get him on Mikhail Rasputin's current team in in, uh, in X-Force. Or not. Also, it, where's where's Darkstar in all of that? I was say, Darkstar's on the Winter Guard. So, yeah, but I mean, in this whole Krakoa versus Russia conflict, like. Right. Yeah, I mean, just as just as the Avengers can't be, can't, can't waste their time on mutant problems or X-Men problems. Right. But she is guard, a mutant. Can't waste she, is, time. she is technically <laughs> a Krakoan citizen. Like. She is. But, you know, country first, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, and then there's a backup story to it that where Deadpool, uh, and this is kind of like a preview of the new Deadpool creative team that we haven't started on the pod yet. 
Last I read Deadpool, we were finishing up Priest's run. So Deadpool is in Manhattan. I like the art, cool, like noirish cut and paste stuff, but also everything else is noirish and it's not funny, like at all. Mm. It's just like a kind of straightforward noir story. He, he takes a cab to New Jersey and he's complaining about being out of money and like, dude, that's an expensive cab ride. Take the tr- take New Jersey Transit, man. If you're if you're low on money, <laughs> what the hell? And uh, anyway, he there. There's the most of the story is a flashback. This girl Sandy, who is an underage kid who's pimped out for sex work by her family. Deadpool is there for a job under misleading pretenses, and and you know decides he has to save the kid. Family's killed. He takes her to a mental hospital, but she takes her own life a few weeks later. She's buried oh with a bunch. Yeah, she's buried with a bunch of money that he couldn't bring herself. You know, he just like gave it all to her from this job or whatever. Uh, but uh, she was buried with it all. Uh, now he needs money, so he goes to dig her up, and that's the whole Jesus. story. Yeah. It's not funny at all. No. <laughs> like not even like black humor in any of this. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Deadpool gets serious sometimes, but like, right. Damn. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, <laughs> even when he's serious, it's like sad clown shit. Right. It's like, right. Like, I mean, even the storyline where we see that he was hypnotized to kill his own parents for a job. Right. There's still like him trying to crack a joke and like him being flippant of the other people around him. Cause it's Sabretooth was his like supervisor. <laughs> okay. And like, he was talking shit to Sabretooth and stuff. But it's like, like <laughs> his story is dark <laughs> yeah. and he has dark like moments, but like the entire issue yeah. Bro. Yeah. Also, that's just that's a whole other it's a whole other level. My yeah. goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's kind of what I am I mean, again, Deadpool is new as a character. They're trying a different sort of like take on him a right. little bit. Clearly didn't stick. And this is part of what's interesting about reading these old comics is you kind of see like failed mm. attempts uh as well as successful ones. But yeah, we'll see where that goes. Okay, Bishop. Was it Bishop the Last X-Man? Bishop colon the Last X-Man issues fucking... (laughs) 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 Issues 9 through 14. And this, this arc is called the Chrono War. So to recap, he's stuck in an alternate future except for a moment when he was brought back to do the 12 and then immediately got sucked back <laughs> and all his teammates were like oh fuck that was weird later yeah <laughs> oh my god nobody gives a shit about bishop in the 90s man it's bad and so he's been following again like the hella racist right like gambit they leave gambit in antarctica and everybody's like oh my god gambit and they just like <laughs> leave bishop in space and like he'll be fine <laughs> figure it out yeah <laughs> he's black so nobody's gonna mess with him you know he blends in with space we can't find him <laughs> So anyway, 
Um, so he, he's in this alternate future. He's been following around cryptic, cryptic clues from the witness, a.k.a. LeBeau, a.k.a. totally not Gambit. And Bishop and his team of, you know, mutants from that time who've been inspired by the X-Men and have painted the first they painted M's on their face to be like, you know, the Bishop kind of. And then Bishop came and they uh, painted X's on their face to be the like the X-Men. So they're the X-Face team. And it's Jinx, who's a weirdo semi speedster. She like exists in between or she could like phase in between moments of time and then scorch who has like human torch powers link who is a weird weirdo kind of goth telepath and then nom who is billed as the last giant and he's big and gray and strong and plus this kid michael who is a little kid from 616 new york city who kind of just got sucked in a time thing and went with bishop here anyway imagine I know, right? He's like an orphan <laughs> or whatever. He's just like hanging out oh. in the projects. He's like, I got nothing. And, and, and then time portal. And here he is in this dystopian future. So blah, blah, blah. They found Storm's tiara, which they used to unlock Cerebro, which they used to find the Chronomancer, a.k.a. Trevor Fitzroy, who is like, you know, the dictator of this entire f- future. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Dude, glow up. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so they finally found him. He's in his own castle. Who'd have thought? Surprise. Yeah. (laughs) But they needed Cerebro to figure that out. So they're bringing the fight to him. Fitzroy has ambitions to become a god and or become time itself. It's kind of silly, but apparently it involves using all of his power uh, and walking through a big portal. Bishop also, or Fitzroy also has Bishop's sister, Shard, held captive in his castle. If you remember, Shard is a holographic being. She is dead. Right. And came back to 616 as a holograph, but a living holograph. And something, mm-hmm. something, her powers were like light absorption. And so something, something, it's, I don't know. Made She's like the anti-Dazzler. yeah kind of and so yeah shard and fitzroy used to date back when she was alive and he had a soul and so you know he's holding her captive in his castle and torturing her because he loves her etc etc so anyway the ex bishop and the ex faces are wandering along they meet another giant named toll he starts out extremely friendly but it turns out he's extorting an entire town Tells Nam about this prophecy about some chosen giant and then turns on him. He's like, there can only be one last giant and uh, gets run over by a train that they spent the rest of them spent the entire issue fixing whatever. They recruit the townspeople. They head off for the final battle. Uh, and then all of the townspeople and Nam get hit by an avalanche. <laughs> Not uh-huh. all of them, but a lot of them, just like a lot of people just like die. Anyway, Back at Fitzroy's castle, Fitzroy has Shard pretty much mind-controlled. He's found some way to turn her from a living hologram back into flesh. Fitz, oh. Yeah, Fitzroy's uh, creepy sidekick, Bantam, the little yellow-green guy who keeps track of all his portals. I don't know if you remember him. Anyway, he was in the cartoon. Anyway, he... Uh, <laughs> 
he tries to free her. He like grows a conscious all of a sudden, tries to free her, discovers that Fitzroy employs Morlock child labor and escapes. A bunch of feudal lords in this time are turning on Fitzroy, so he kills them. It's like all very steampunk things going on. Anyway, there's a mountain pass. There's more. They meet a bunch of Morlocks, including, oh God, I have to share my screen here for (laughs) just the dumbest character concepts you've ever seen. Oh yeah, here's a, a very embarrassing anti-weed ad in in one of these comics. Anyway. (laughs) Self-respect, my anti-drug. Oh, yeah. I don't use that wacky weed because I have self-respect. So, yeah, so they meet the Morlocks, including, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. (laughs) This guy, this guy. Oh, my God. (laughs) This guy, he was called Thumper has these Popeye arms, except they're his hands. And he's just got these swollen forearm hand amalgamations. What? And it's, this is honestly one of the more disgusting character concepts I've ever seen. And he just, he just beats the hell out of Bishop with his little balloon hands. That is so strange. Like, it looks like he had an allergic reaction to a bee sting. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, multiple bee stings. It's like he's got Reebok pump hands. He's just like, oh, I've got to fight somebody. (laughs) Like, gone are the days of writing or typing. Right. Or Or eating. (laughs) Or. Oh, my gosh. What? Yeah, Man, just I was excited. Stump fingers, like <laughs> at the end of these, completely unusable. I was excited when I first when I first saw him. I was like, "Ooh, a puck!" Yeah, right. And then I saw the hands. <laughs> That's not great. Yeah. Also, we have the original design of Quaz from Quantumania. Oh yeah, this guy with an eye on his forehead, giant high eye on his head. Yeah. It looks like it might be painted on, though. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's not. It's not an actual. There's no yeah. way it's an actual eye. <laughs> but like later, he might do. I, I oh, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, Thumper just goes to town on Bishop with his Good balloon Lord. hand. Yeah, it's disgusting. Anyway, so there's a real stupid fight, and then they all see Storm's tiara amongst his things. It like falls out, and they stop, and they're like, you know, oh, Storm Morlock. Etc. And so turns out that Bantam showed up at the Morlock camp and then they held him prisoner. But he tells Bishop that Fitzroy has shards. So now he knows that. And there just happens to be secret tunnels straight from the mountains to the castle. And so secret they do. Tunnel. Right? Secret <laughs> tunnel. <laughs> so they do the grand infiltration, but Fitzroy set a trap. He kills Bantam. There goes Bantam. <laughs> And Bishop decides to go it alone, and he's betrayed by a mind-controlled shard. He's held captive, breaks free, goes to have his final confrontation with Fitzroy for real. And then shard shows up. She cut off her own arm to stop turning into flesh, to stop the mind control. And then 
this is fucking gnarly in order to like, you know, he's like beaten down. Uh, Bishop's like real beaten down by Fitzroy in their fight. Right. And she forces him to absorb her, like absorb her oh. energy self. To, wow. Yeah. And so now she dead. And, <laughs> and so he shoots his sister Oh my gosh. He shoots his sister at Fitzroy and he fucking misses. Oh. And like, cause Fitzroy dodges or like he just, no, he just misses just a bad shot. It's just a bad shot. Oh, come on, buddy. I know it's your sister. You're going to do your sister like that. Dude, we should oh, dude, add her to the list of resurrection protocol. No, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, because I want to see her hang out with Dazzler and see. I want, okay. I want, Yo, I want right. somebody to explore how that works. Okay. Okay. Fair, fair, fair. And then you can kill her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's just, uh, I don't think she's much of a character. But anyway, you know, I said that about Fabian fucking Cortez and look what they did. So, yeah. Anyway. He shoots her at Fitzroy and he misses. And then he's walking through Fitzroy is walking through the portal to become the time God or whatever. And so Bishop just walks up and grabs Fitzroy's legs and just holds on. (laughs) And the portal closes with him partially inside and he (gasps) goes splat. And, and, and that's that not some grand, you know, like retribution, meaningful sacrifice of blah, blah, blah. His sister. No, it it's holding on to a guy's legs. And he, oh, my gosh. And that's how he wins the Chrono War. And then he's overloaded with all the time energy and gets pooped back to 616. And little okay. boy, Michael, doesn't go with him. Stuck. Left what? behind. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there are there are two issues of Bishop the Last, last X Man left. Oh I, no! He's already back. Yeah, they they're and they both take place in six one six. He has to do two tie-ins with crossovers. He has to tie oh. in with Maximum Security, and he has to tie in with Dream Dream's End, and then his series is done. I don't think wow. they're going to revisit this. I think I think this kid's just stuck in the apocalyptic future. No, he's dude. He's going to come back as like an angry adult and be the new baddie, new, the new Chronomancer. He's yes, he's going to be the new Chronomancer. He's going to be all. He's going to turn. Turns out he was. He's a mutant. Uh-huh. He's going to have some sort of insane power. He's going to be Omega level uh-huh. and angry. And he's going to show up in in Destiny of X Volume 8. I mean, Bishop's head war captain now. So exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Somebody's going to go through the old Bishop books and be like, what can I play with here? <laughs> and then they're going to actually read Bishop the Last X-Man. They're going to be like, oh, fuck, no, no, no. Nothing from here. <laughs> Pretend it never happened. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Okay. Magneto Dark Seduction. Mm. So, as you recall, Magneto is now the sovereign of Genosha. 
been that way for a little bit in the X books. And, you know, since they don't have like any active storylines dealing with that, and they had decided to kind of go another direction with what, with what the main X-Men titles are about, but that's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. They go back every couple months and, and have somebody write, you know, just kind of like a mini series or a side story. Like that you had like a couple issues of, of, uh, X-Men unlimited about this. You had Magneto Rex, you had the Magneto war, right? So you've had, you've had several versions of this exact same story. And it's, you know, like uh, he, he's he's kind of just like in various phases of the Civil War. And each time it's like, OK, he's finally consolidated control over Genosha, except for this one little bit. And so this one little bit right now is a sort of like tourist town called Carrion Cove or Carrion. And there's kind of a rebellion going in there that's being aided by like secretly it's being funded by the UN essentially or the international community and like Roxxon's involved, but it's also secretly, you know, includes a bunch of former acolytes. You've got, you know, fan favorites like shit. <laughs> Senyaka, the Klein, the Kleinstock brothers, projector, spore, rem, ram, barnacle, and static fan favorites. Absolutely. They're, they're Classics. All, yeah. Well, I guess you know who Sinyaka is because he had a action figure. Right. Yeah. All all of all the missed opportunity acolytes that didn't get <laughs> action <laughs> And Sinyaka was the one who died in his initial appearance. And Toy Biz <laughs> was like, This is this is the guy. This He's, is the one. Yeah. This is the one. We need more characters with wise. Yeah, there we go. That'll do it. So they're they're like way more powerful than they ought to be. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder what could be behind this. What could possibly be boosting mutants' powers? So yeah, it turns out that Fabian Cortez is also helping out this sort of like UN slash former acolyte plot, and it's because everyone's trying to keep Magneto away from this secret down around Carrion Cove, which can basically restore his lost powers because his powers have been fucked up for ever since the end of the Magneto War when he first took control of the island. And Polaris has basically been dragging him through the entire Civil War. He's just been piggybacking off of her powers. And so the the cast of characters in Magneto's ca- uh, cabinet for this whole story arc is his kids, Quicksilver and Polaris, although Polaris hasn't yet been revealed to be his kid and Quicksilver hasn't yet revealed to be not his kid. You've got the last loyal acolytes, Cortez, Frenzy, Scanner, and Vote, although Amelia Vote switches sides once she finds out the the thing that would restore Magneto's powers because she's like, yeah, that would fuck everything. And then you've got Pipeline, who is a Genosian mutate magistrate. So he was like kind of in this role with the apartheid Genosian government where like he was allowed to have some rights as long as he served the, uh, the state with his powers, et cetera. Uh, you've got Philip Moreau and Jenny Ransom, who 
were my some of my deep cuts characters from the deep cuts episode mm. it's basically like activists for a genocian free state and were big parts of the or initial overthrow of the apartheid rule. Uh, he's the son of the gene engineer that was responsible for the mutate technology on Genosha, except only kind of because we learned later that it was really the sugar man's technology. And we also have, and that's the technology, by the way, that Magneto, you know, that everyone's trying to either get for Magneto or keep him away from to restore his powers, blah, blah, blah. But you also have UN delegate Alda Huxley, obvious reference to Aldous Huxley, the author, but let's just set that aside because that has really nothing to do with who she is as a character. She kind of initially brokered the deal to give magneto control of genosha she was not you know she it was a real move of like real politique like let's bog him down with this failing state so that he doesn't have the power or opportunity to attack the rest of the world and now she's like slowly becoming a true believer of the genosian cause or something it's hard to say so yeah the uh, surprise surprise magneto's building an apartheid state uh against the human residents. Polaris is kind of becoming addicted to being Magneto's like magnetic polar counterpart. Like the more she becomes, she stays attached to Magneto, the stronger her powers are becoming. And she feels like her only chance of seeing Alex again, because he's been shunted off into the mutant X world is to All kind right. of see this whole th- thing through, but mostly she just can't figure her shit out classic Polaris. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's kind of like the, the main Polaris character trait. Cannot figure her shit out. So yeah, the UN assigns uh, a new liaison to the Genosian conflict because they don't trust uh, Huxley's impartiality anymore. So they bring in <laughs> Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, because she is definitely going to be impartial. The most impartial mutant be, being mutant, yes. non-mutant. <laughs> currently thought to be a mutant, currently thought to be Ma- Magneto's daughter. Mm-hmm. And you get a bunch of conversations about, you know, what's going on with the state of Genosha. She, she, Magneto gives her a tour and she's terrified that he's instituting socialism. I posted that that panel out of context mm, on, on the uh on, yeah on the the group our our uh hype is my superpower facebook group if you're not in it come find it anyway <laughs> so the reason that this uh, so the cause of the conflict is like is genosha a mutant haven right which is great or is it a launch pad for magneto to destroy the rest of the world Nothing new there. And I think the thing that really sucked about this comic is like the suspense is all the in all in the wrong places. Like the UN after like two issues is like, oh, Wanda must clearly be in trouble. We need to go send somebody, you know, we need to go send a team to save her. And then it waits like until the end of the issue to like do a full page reveal of who that team was. Obviously, it's going to be the Avengers. There's no suspense here. 
right? And it is the Avengers. And we're like, okay, well, yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> the Avengers team at this point, by the way, in case you're wondering, is Tony, Hank, Pym as Goliath, Janet Van Dyne, Wasp, Jen, She-Hulk, Carol as Ms. Marvel, and Triathlon, who sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I don't get this character at all. He's he's also known as 3D Man. I was gonna say, is that is that like 3D Man? Yeah, it's okay. the same guy. Right. Yeah, it's just a, yeah. a different alias for the same yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, he's dumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it just like constantly like pulls away. Like it it tries to set up these like it pulls tension away from like or it pulls away from the reader actually know what's going on and knowing what's going on in the story or like making things like the story move smoothly to try and add suspense to things where there's no suspense there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it turns out, uh, although Joanna Cargill, AKA frenzy versus she Hulk is a sweet fight, but yeah. So it turns out Magneto knew about the gene engineering lab all along. He was waiting for the right time to use it to restore his powers. He says uh, he delivers the one good line from the whole Series, he says, all all it cost me was my last chance at reconciliation with my children. And then he takes a beat and he says, an acceptable loss. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Polaris tries to stop him. They have a quick fight, but Magneto gets his full powers back. He And then once he does, he finally kills Cortez after, you know, the 17,000th betrayal. And he does it by, as soon as he gets, it's like the first thing he does when he gets his powers back. He picks up Cortez, who is 50 miles away, and he flings them 50 miles in 20 seconds and has them go splat on the ground right in front of his feet. You're making a real face right now. Yo. <laughs> 20 miles, 50 miles in 20 seconds? 50 miles in 20 seconds. 150 miles a minute. 900 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Like clearly it wasn't the impact that killed him. Right. But maybe, maybe he did it inside a magnetic bubble that protected him from the G force just so that he would die from the impact. I don't know. Like 9,000 miles, <laughs> miles an hour, 9,000 miles an hour. Yeah. Cortez. Cortez. Hmm. <laughs> right now that now, now that we have read way of x and onslaught revelation it's like man but he deserved <laughs> it shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway he tells avengers to get the fuck off his island or he'll start world, world war three and they're like yeah checks out let's get out of here <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So we've got we've we've got fully empowered Magneto again, and he's got full political control of Genosha. So finally, this we don't have to tell the same story again, and maybe it'll go somewhere. Okay. The next thing I read was X Men: The Hidden Years. If you don't remember, The Hidden Years is John Byrne's sort of title where he tells what happens while the X Men were in reprints between. Mm-hmm the end of the 60s initial series and giant size X-Men number one. So it's the original five team in all new stories, but very much in the style of 60s comics. So 
there's a flashback where they're dressed up as the Brotherhood and they break into a Sentinel base, and it's like this will be used later. It it won't. So we go to the present. <laughs> Fantastic Four shows up at the expansion at this point in their continuity. I guess Sue has left the team and Crystal has taken her place. The mm. X Men team are all split up. So Jean, Scott, and Hank are the only ones left at the mansion. Bobby is amnesiac in the shadow, in the uh, Savage Land, and uh, Havoc and Polaris are off looking for him with Kazar. They'll team up, and Bobby is uh, being taken care of by Carl Lycos, a.k.a. Sauron, who is trying to avoid turning into Sauron. And he he made his first move to the, shadow, uh, to the Savage Land. Apparently... When I forgot this, but they introduced Sauron and the Savage Land in like basically back to back issues in the initial run of the X Men, and mm. they were not related to each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, which yeah. is fine, you know, pterosaur guy. Never mind. So. <laughs> And then Warren has been taken captive and sold on the black market to the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, uh, who at this point is Blob, Mastermind, and Eunice the Untouchable. So Mm. Professor X is glitching. He's just kind of like forgetting things. This doesn't get brought up again, so I don't know if it's important. And then there's a recap of the Xenox plot. This goes back to another one of my deep cuts, Remember, Xenox were an alien alien race who invented a gravity drive to unmoor their entire planet from their star's gravity to use the whole fucking thing as a spaceship to go invade other worlds. They went all the way from the Andromeda galaxy, and they're just conquering and plundering, blah, blah, blah. They make it to Earth, and they're <laughs> going to, you know, destroy Earth and... Professor X gets a telepathic wind of this, and so he sequesters himself in this like psi chamber underneath the X mansion and gets to work on trying to stop the invasion this whole time. Changeling, aka Morph from mm-hmm. Age of Apocalypse in 616 version, who was an X-Men villain before this, he comes to Professor X and he's like, I'm full of cancer. I want to do something good with my life before I die. And so he takes the place of Professor X for, you know, and lets Professor X fake his own death or or lets Professor X, uh, you know, prepare. And then he dies during the middle of the changeling dies during the middle of this. And so like the whole team thinks that Professor X is dead, except for Gene, who knows the truth, who can't reveal it. So anyway, Xavier stopped the initial Xenox invasion by uh, he realized that they were this is way too much recap, but uh, he realized (laughs) that they had evolved in such a way where they were incapable of compassion. And so he telepathically linked every mind on Earth to flood them uh, like every human on Earth to flood the Xenox with images of love and empathy and compassion for each other. And the Xenox were disgusted, horrified, alienated, and were 
torn away. This was the origin of my deep cut character here was that this would it was the 60s and that this would turn them into hippies. And I really wanted to see the Xanox come back with tie dyes and bell bottoms and fringe vests and the whole thing. Right. Uh-huh. Apparently not to be reads like so you're saying you know, you made a permanent change to Zen- to the Xenox. Uh, Professor X is like, no, Reed, they, they just left. <laughs> so I'm bummed. <laughs> no hippie aliens. Nah, nah. <laughs> they were over it and they left. <laughs> yeah. And so Xavier is, you know, freaked out that uh, the Xenox can, could go and, like, terrorize and destroy other planets. And so, like, okay, we have to go after them. And so they go, the FF and the rest of the X-Men go into space together. Gene feels a presence while they're out there and has a sort of vision, premonition of the Phoenix Force. And, you know, big adventure action scene. And they phase the Xenox planet to a zone in between 616 and the negative zone. Which, wow. Yeah. <laughs> The phase, the whole planet there. Okay. Crazy. Anyway, that was one issue. Good Lord. Yeah. Almost nothing happens in the rest of them combined. <laughs> Magneto is saved by the Savage Land Mutate Amphibious. So he, he's live. After the Phoenix thing, Professor X and Moira, who I don't think had been introduced in the comics before this. I think this is the first time the team meets Moira, but they don't really make a big deal out of it. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So Gene is kind of going through the recap of the Xenox thing. He's like, man, there are so many secrets that the professor has shared only with me, Moira. I wonder if there are many more secrets that he hasn't even (laughs) shared with me. (laughs) Moira. 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 Lady. 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 Okay. (laughs) So, yeah. The rest of the issues in this arc kind of split into three story arcs. There is one with Beast and Professor X going to the small town of Illinois that Beast is initially from, where his parents still live. So they go say, say hi to his parents. And then, but they're going because there is a new mutant activation on Cerebro. And it's this little girl, Ashley, who is 10 years old. And it turns out that a sentinel got to her first, but she made friends with the sentinel and is keeping it in her garage or in the barn on their property rather. But sentinel keeps freaking out. So there's a big like, oh, it's going to kill us. Oh, no, she's got under control. Oh, no, it's killing us. And uh, eventually they find out that uh, she has psychokinetic bonding which is the ability to imbue her life force in inanimate objects and make them basically do her bidding, like move on their own. So like, and it's presented as like way stronger than Jean's telekinesis. So in order to resolve it, the Professor X. No, he just cuts <laughs> off the, 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 the mutant, the, the part of her brain that, controls her mutant powers from the rest of her. Oh yeah. He just, he just, he just does the bottom bead. Yeah. 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 Wow. There's a whole storyline where they do that. And it came back to bite them in the ass. Cause he was dead. 
in uh, in X Men. Oh yeah, uh, a few years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there we go. Interesting. Well, thing dude, he does a lot. Bring of her apparently. back. I know, right? Yeah. yeah, that's a really like that's seen with the quality of like uh, storytelling you have now. That's oh, yeah. a power you can really run with. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, there's another deep cut character for you. And so that's that's one storyline. The second, Candy Southern, who is Angel's girlfriend, who, if you remember, has just like she kind of pulled a power move on Professor X and was like, I know all the shit that goes on around here. Like, deal me in. Let's let's uh, Warren's missing and I'm going to help. And there's not a damn thing you can do about it. And Professor X, like, respect. <laughs> word. Word. Yeah. <laughs> word. <laughs> <laughs> so she dresses up in a Marvel girl costume and, and Jean dresses up in a original X-Men trainee costume just on a lark and it ends up being story relevant. Anyway, they they run into this weirdo mutant guy, Kruger, who can turn off mutant powers and think it only knows the X-Men from their costumes because he saw them on television when they fought Magneto at Cape Citadel in X-Men number one. And so he's like, ah, I've got you Marvel girl. And she turns out to not be a mutant and just like hits him with something, but he's still manages to sell them to the brotherhood along. So this is how they get reunited with angel because angel was also sold to them. And then they all escape. And then Iceman reignites Sauron by accident because he's amnesiac. And then, Havoc, Polaris, and Kazar run into them. Magneto happens to also be there. And Sauron and Magneto fight. And they both retreat. And the X-Men are like, eh, all right. Uh, Oh, and uh, Sauron erases their memories of it because, you know, we can't have any of... Because this is forgotten years. Because this is the hidden years, exactly. Secret must stay secret. And so, yeah, that's that's that. Okay, search for Cyclops. I'm taking my notes away so you can't you can't look at spoilers here because I'm going to ask you some questions. <laughs> okay. If you so we know the context, right? Like blah blah blah. The twelve Cyclops, Cyclops was going to be the the vessel for was the vessel yeah got uh or no nate gray was supposed to be the vessel for for apocalypse's rebirth uh cyclops got in the way and basically Mm -hmm. got possessed by uh apocalypse's aura essence his vibes (laughs) (laughs) as the kids say so yeah so so he's you know he's been written out of the of the comics for a, a few months not not even really that long and and now and you know it's been like oh the cerebro can't find him and jeans like well, our our telepathic link has been severed blah 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 we have no idea where he is so what 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 sort of plot would you expect you know with this context in this title <laughs> what 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 would you expect to happen? I would expect him to be in another dimension, or at least like on the moon. Oh, okay. hanging out in the blue blue area of the moon. Sure. And and what what sort of like what sort of actions would would you <laughs> I, like? What what's the plot? Let's see. I feel like Scott 
is trying to get rid of, make sure he has, he's gotten rid of all the vestiges of Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, he goes to someone like the Watcher who can see all things and point, may, maybe point him in the right direction. I don't know, at least like visually confirm something's going on. Or maybe go to see Reed or someone who is sciencey <laughs> that can like extract the genes out of them. Man, these the stories all sound these stories all sound pretty fucking cool. So, okay, so <laughs> in in the search for Cyclops, it's a four issue miniseries. Approximately, when would you expect you, the reader, to know where Cyclops is? Third issue. Third issue. Yeah, it seems about right. Because yeah. you you want the it's a big reveal. Maybe like end of the second issue, big reveal, but probably right. probably third issue, and then the fourth is the big climax. Right. Right. Issue one, page one. He's on a boat to Morocco. <laughs> he's on a fucking boat. There he is. We searched for him. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and he's he's fully get this. Fully amnesiac. Doesn't remember a thing. Doesn't oh. know who. Yeah. But he's having these dreams, right? About uh, about apocalypse essentially and 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 uh you know these terrible being hunted and all these oh, oh. <laughs> uh, but Egypt, lots of Egypt. He's, okay. He doesn't have his powers, so he, he's, you know, like seeing without beams, but the beams are, you know, like slowly maybe coming back and he's losing himself to the influence of the blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, right? So he's on this boat on the, and, and in, in Morocco and, and he's, he doesn't know why or where or what's going on. And he's got this friend, Ahmed, who calls himself Ausayi, which apparently translates to slim. Not not a superfood berry. And he's guided by he runs into this woman, Anais, who translates uh, to red or Anais or something. Yeah. And turns out that she is a she has cat morphing. She's a mutant, obviously. She has cat morphing powers. It's eventually re- revealed that she's a longtime servant of Apocalypse and wants to be the vessel for, you know, blah 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 instead of she's stop. a lupine. wild child shows up (laughs) (laughs) okay so he's also being hunted by gauntlet from the dark riders the green guy with the weird teeth and the scope and the gun not the gauntlet from the oh not avengers not your gauntlet no hashtag not your gauntlet We later learn it, he Gauntlet's worked for the Dark Riders, aka served Apocalypse before. So we're like, oh man, this fucking guy, right? But we later learn that he was hired by Blake Smith. Cable never mm. learns this. And and Ozymandias How's he doing doing anything not cable related. How dare he? Well, it is cable related because it's a search for a cyclops, it's right? His somebody dad. has to, somebody sure. has to search. <laughs> well, it's also his mortal enemy, right? Apocalypse. So people have to search, and it's um, it, and it's like a big. It's supposed to be shown as like a big reveal, right? Who's going to be searching for Cyclops? It, it's it's his wife and his son. 
You're really selling me on this. I can't wait to read it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to stop you. (laughs) And everybody's traveling to Egypt. They're traveling to Aqaba. Even though we just fucking came from there. That's where the 12 was set. Where did he go to in order to have to go back? I don't get it. He went to Morocco. Just on a whim? (laughs) I mean, when he's you're just on a boat, attic, don't you feel like going to Morocco? And I think he was sailing? going to, well, because he's been going towards Akaba, like the whole thing without knowing why. So, listen, <laughs> this is so <laughs> it's because he, this is why he's going to Morocco. He felt the thoughts mm. of, of, of Apocalypse right. saying, Morocco, and (laughs) (laughs) he looked on a map, (laughs) didn't find an Morocco, and he was like, "Close enough." But there's a Morocco. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go there. (laughs) You know what? Sure. Yeah, this is way better explanation than I ever get anywhere else. He could only do that if he was going to Morocco. Like, if he was going to Italy, I'd, I would not have an out. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's pretty close, right? It's like, oh, I'm just going across the, the north uh, yeah. north uh, of Africa. Why by boat? Um, Mediterranean, it's, it's pretty. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> That's the first two issues. Issue three, they start searching for a Cyclops. Issue three of the search for Cyclops is when the search for Cyclops begins. It's a four-issue series. I, I also want to take a second to complain that I, Apocalypse or Cyclopolis or whatever. Uh-huh. It's just the worst character design. It's just... And Saba Summers. <laughs> yeah. He's got... You know, the apocalypse lips, but he's got the Cyclops visor, except it's not even a visor. It's just integrated into his face. Yeah. (laughs) It's got the like ratty hair from like AOA Scott. Anyway, Calban slash Pestilence, right? Horse, who who, Calban was the horseman Pestilence during the 12. He has mutant tracking powers. So he fall, he, he, he runs into scott and he's like causing a plague in this town in in libya because we're making our way back to egypt and they uh, all confront each other right caliban and gauntlet and gene and cable and cyclocalypse all confront each other in the sewers with this completely chaotic fight scott apocalypse releases caliban from being a horseman and then they're all separated in a very convenient sewer tunnel collapse. And and Cable's like, oh, I know where he's going. Akaba. It's like, no fucking shit, dude. <laughs> like, why does it take everyone forever? Like, it always, just like, it's apoc- all the apocalypse shit happens in Egypt. Like, figure it out, man. My God. But anyway, so they, they convene again in Akaba. Except we kind of just completely dropped Gauntlet and Caliban. They're out out of the plot. And, you know, Cable's wrestling with, what if I have to kill him, you know, if, if we can't separate? 
blah, 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 blah. A nice delivers the only interesting line in the whole series. <laughs> this might be an ongoing segment for me, right? O- only interesting, only interesting line. line. Yeah. <laughs> she says to Scott, you know, you've spent your whole life holding back your optic blast. I don't understand. If you just embrace apocalypse, you'll never have to hold back anything ever again. Like, okay. Ooh. That's like, we're getting to the core of like who Scott is as a character and like actually mm-hmm. treating the characters in this story as people and dealing with internal conflicts and stuff. But yeah. The other cool thing, we finally get the sort of dramatic, well-drawn, well-paced climax that we deserved at the end of the 12. Gene pulls Apocalypse out of Scott psionically. Cable Cable stabs it with his scimitar. And, uh, okay, I guess it wasn't that great because the whole thing happens in two pages. But that's it. (laughs) Ancient evil from the beginning of time, Apocalypse, dead. He's gone. Until... Until they decide they want to do another apocalypse story in about six years. <laughs> so, yeah, Scott's like, well, shit, I like now I have to make it all the way back home with, you know, with my eyes closed. And, and Kibble's like, oh, I, I've been holding on to your visor. I incorporated it into the neck piece to my costume here. You, you have it. And then he walks off all emo to let Gene and Scott have a moment and Aeneas is like, basically says like, LOL, you mad. And Ozymandias has like a last line is like, can Cyclops remain pure after touching the face of evil, blah, blah, blah. That's it. That was the search of Cyclops, the end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, no. (laughs) I was trying to think of like, maybe it was about the spiritual journey of like, the search for the inner cyclops. Fuck, that would have been a great book. <laughs> Let's get you writing comics, please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Man, I just so we just we just read the third volume of Astonishing X Men, Joss Whedon's Astonishing X Men. Oh yes, uh, on on stream last uh-huh. weekend. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Where Emma has the like psychic manipulation of Scott, where she's just like. You can just choose not to shoot the beams. Yeah. And it just turns off his optic blasts. Yeah. For a few days. Yeah. So cool. Oh, and then the payoff for that at the end. I don't want to spoil it for your, if any of the, you know, your Twitch viewers are listening to the podcast. This is not going to go go out out before before you read. Yeah. (laughs) God, the payoff on that was so good. The art. In, in Cassidy's art is so good. Cassidy's yeah, Break, incredible. Break be awesome. Yeah, but yeah, just when he blasts the Sentinel off of his lawn, and it's just all just red, no detail, just all red, and then the outline of of uh, Cyclops, Wolverine, and Beast on the lawn. So so epic. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. <sighs> so next week, back to Krakoa. Oh, was that it? That's it. That's it for me. Yeah. Uh, I thought there was something else for some reason. No, okay. No, I, I, I powered through four series and, and a special, man. It's impressive. Well, so for the next four episodes, uh, we're going to be doing all Krakoa X. Fuck yes. <laughs> so next episode is going to be Trials Volume 7 and 8. Then yep. after that's going to be Trials Volumes uh, 9 and 10. Then trials 11, 12. 
and then X Deaths and X Lives of Wolverine. Hell yeah. Yeah, my two my two red piles is going to get a little bigger, but it's yeah. fine. This is all for for the cause. Good cause. Yeah. For the cause. So, um, yeah, Krakoa. <laughs> get ready. Krakoa. I'm ready. Get ready. Born ready. Good Lord. Yeah. Well, I guess then let's just put the outro music. Oh, you got a place for it? Let's put it here. Okay. Uh, Yeah.